0: This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 122, Universities of Jolnar, Strategy Guy, music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson.
1: accent kind of came out a little bit Did um, it? what's yeah. my
0: accent southern a little like, bit it's kind of how you said out. it
1: a little bit you kind of said it like this it was like episode 122 universities of joel narr <laughs> I'm probably adding more stank on it than you did, but it was in there. I The way you said Joel Gnar had a very like, Joel Gnar.
0: <laughs> well, apparently we've just started the episode because this is too funny to not. Oh, okay. In.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, you kind of, it, it came out kind of, it's not really so much, it's a kind of a cowboy university now <laughs> where it's kind of the school of hard knocks, if you know what I'm saying. I would so like. Are the, a, are a the kind fish
0: of, Southerners now in our, in our book? What's a very southern fish? What's the most southern fish? You, Trout. You know, you're a... The trout? Okay. Or bass. Trout
1: or bass? No, trout probably a uh, big, big,
0: big mouth bass. Come on, you're not giving enough credit to the catfish.
1: Catfish, yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty What's it called southern. when you
0: go... When you try to get a catfish to catch your arm? What's that called?
1: I don't know what you're talking about right that's there. A thi- that's
0: the thing. When you go, you go, you go like fish... Like the way you... Fish for catfish with man, your whole that arm. that ain't
1: something. No, nobody does that, man. That's just People something they put that. in the movies. That's just something mm. they put in the movies, man. <laughs> That nobody uses their hand to fish. I'm, That's cr- ludicrous.
0: I'm I'm betraying both of our heritage by not remembering this term, but it's it's a thing, man. Well, you, not, go in that, there, that you shove your you shove your fist in the mud hole and
1: Dude, they don't do that down in Arkansas. <laughs> noodling, noodling, Noodling! yeah, I have heard that term actually now that I think about it. But but nobody so today mean, today's our noodling guide. <laughs> we didn't do that, man. We just go out and fish. You know, you just sit and it's nice and it's quiet and you just you just fish. And I always my problem with fishing is that I always like casting the rod, but I didn't really like waiting for fish or even pulling fish in or touching fish or seeing fish.
0: You know what's good about fishing? You don't talk to your dad, and your dad don't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so none of this has anything to do with the
1: universities. But, you know, we've never really been about matching our goofs to yeah. our source material much, <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I guess that's canon now. Hmm. That's canon. Kind of redneck The noodlers cowboy. of Jolnar. Yeah, these kind of redneck cowboy. The uni-noodlers. <laughs> it was going to have to be somebody that took yeah. that. And, yeah, I think it's great because the they're supposed to be all smart, all book-learned, yep. and yep. it'd be great if this was their accent.
0: Yep. They're brilliant. They're brilliant and analytical. Analytical.
1: A little bit fragile.
0: <laughs>
1: now, what we're going to tell you today is you won't get your E-Res siphons, all right?
0: <laughs> You're going to have to ignore that there, con- spatial conduit cylinder. That sounds like a car part, too. It's perfect. <laughs> That's, that is awesome. <laughs> now, it might be your alternator. It might be your spatial conduit <laughs> cylinder in there, and I don't know. We're going to have to just shake it loose and see what happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hunter, can we, should we, is this now the part where we get into the actual guide or can yeah, we let's get go do this, this do for a we, while we, longer? We, okay. No,
1: I think I'm already done with it. Uh, <laughs> I I think, and also, so today we're talking about, obviously, Universities of Jolnar. There's kind of a, like, do we really need to talk about them? Yeah. No, but we will, you know.
0: You know what? I'm over that joke. I had to, I had to preface it. So in the, pre, you know, we've been doing priorata and in the priorata, I had to be like, Give us your priorata, and you don't get to say, just play as Jolnar and you win. That's not fair. That's a cop-out. I'll say that's, that. That's, that's <laughs> well, that's not going to be the theme of today's guide. If anything, let's treat it this way. How do you, like, have a 100% win rate as Jolnar, is the question. How do you, okay. Or, like, a uh, like a 90%. <laughs> how do you just never lose as Jolnar, is the is the mission for this So we guide? have to
1: raise the stakes. Other, the- well,
0: because other guides, like the extra guide I've been beating my head against for, like, eight months now Dude, is gonna be about just, like how do no, you possibly I, survive
1: i gotta say something about extra it's <sighs> ju- you guys are just mismatched i don't know why you got it in your head that you need to play extra yeah. and have some sort it's of extra me, play man. you guys are an odd couple it just doesn't make sense
0: <laughs> like well i feel i feel at least more comfortable in jolnar's hands even though jolnar is not it doesn't also get to be a wild, aggressive, m- meanie pants Matt faction, but sure, I, they're just so good that I can I get to compensate <laughs> from all of my misgivings and bad play.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, sometimes, but not always. I mean, let's remember: uh, in the very first holiday spectacular, mm-hmm. you ran into some very gross. I don't theory. know if you remember, but there's... Oh, is, I remember. Yeah, there's some infantry stuff in that game. That's not great. That's just so sad. Like, yeah, what really was it? 4v1
0: four, four invading? 4v1? It, yeah, I, I,
1: it was something ludicrous it like that. It was soul. Four, it was Jolnar
0: versus soul, so there's that, but it right. was
1: 4v1. it was 4v1, which should be okay, but yeah, it was nope, not. Was it not was not okay. Uh,
0: yeah. So that's, that is certainly going to be one of the guiding uh, theses of this episode is how do we deal with the infantry, right? Yeah. That's kind of the only... That's really the only answer we have to well, – there's two, there's two questions we have to answer, but let's – we're we're skipping ahead. We need to at least cover what this faction actually is. Let's talk well, about I'd, the things they got.
1: I do feel like I would like to note for people, just yeah. in general, coming into this, that at this point, writing a guide for somebody – like, the, we have our old episode – that I think is probably still good. I looked over the outline just a second ago, and I only disagreed with like one or two things. Mm -hmm. So if you are a new player, just in general, like that's the only reason I could think of that you really need some pointers for playing Jolnar. You know what I mean? Like Jolnar is not, it's not like Sardak where people are like, man, how do you really, how do you crack the code? It's like, no, you you can probably figure it out. Um, But so I think what we've done with this episode that I'm excited about is really focused on solving the the pitfalls. And yeah. less it's less about just like oh how do you make this work good? There's gonna be a lot of places in this episode where we're like, and then you kind of do a number well, of things if yeah, you want exactly. to. Like <laughs> right, like, <laughs> your options kind of stretch out before you. Um, so like I would say the good things in this episode are definitely gonna be more about like all right how do we fix the the little bit of nasty stuff baked into the design of Jolnar. How do we solve those problems? All right, let's do it. I'm ready.
0: Let's talk about Jolnar. Just to kick it off, you start with uh, way more tech than everybody else. You start Uh with all the baseline techs. You have Neural Motivator. Great, you get card draw right from the get-go. You start with Sarween Tools. Great, we get that economic advantage from the get-go. You start with Anti-Mass Deflectors and Plasma Scoring as well. Great. Uh, That's ridiculous. Hey, wait, no, great. Both of those are great.
1: Yeah, Plasma Um, Scoring, extra... Well, Extra the plasma shot. scoring
0: is going to come into play here, too, because your starting units are a Dreadnought, two carriers, only one fighter, which is very weird. Why even give them the one if you're only going to give them <laughs> one? I don't know. Well, I can uh, travel t-
1: with the Dreadnought.
0: That's sure. The uh, two infantry, one space dock, and two PDS at home, which means that plasma scoring in your home system, you already start with three shots against anybody coming in. So. Yeah. Starting off, despite having uh, an upcoming ability we'll talk about, they start off kind of pretty defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, The two infantry is the real problem here, and that's really the second issue with the Jolnar. All of Jolnar's issues revolve around infantry, one of them being the problem we're going to get to, but the first one being you only start with two infantry, and as we've said in the past, you want two C4I. If anything, Jolnar start with the ability to have way more, right? You have two carriers and a dreadnought. You can carry a capacity of five or more infantry if you want to like you can take five planets around one if you get kind of the magic christmas land for jolnar um but you start with just two of those infantry and that's not a lot so that is going to be our very first issue that we need to solve as jolnar um and and it's it's not the biggest issue the biggest issue comes later so let's let's talk about their actual abilities uh you are fragile which means you apply a minus one to the result of each of your unit's combat roles. This is the opposite of the Sardak nor ability. Uh, it doesn't apply to Space Cannon. It doesn't apply to Anti-Fighter Barrage. It doesn't apply to Bombardment, right? It doesn't apply to any other roles, only those actual combat roles. Uh, so, minus one feels less impactful than Sardak's plus one. Would you agree, Hunter? Hmm.
1: Um... Hmm. I don't know. Uh I w- I would say because of the So you, I'm I'm sorry, you're saying Fragile Fragile's less impactful than Sardax Plus 1? I think
0: well, in in okay, I'll I'll let me isolate it. In space combat.
1: Sure. Fragile yes.
0: feels less important than Sardak Nor's plus
1: Plus 1. Yeah, be- and it's I think the reason it is less impactful is because it's a negative 1 that it's it's just kind of across the board, and you've got all of these different ways that you could get ahead of a fight yeah, in space. Right. Whereas, because ground combat is just one unit type, yep. and bombardment the is a really factor. matter. Yeah, like the yeah. fact that that is a negative one, and it's all of the limitations with infantry make that negative one on infantry a kind of a chokehold yeah. problem. A uh, yeah, it's you're kind of cornered there. Right. Um, and
0: that is our that is our big that's our main issue that we want to deal with as Jonar is like ground combat's not great. How how are we going to get around that problem? And there's a couple answers. I mean, obviously, there's a few answers. And the biggest answers come from your other two abilities, which are brilliant. When you spend a command token to resolve the secondary ability of technology strategy card, you may resolve the primary ability instead. And analytical, when you research a technology that is not a unit upgrade technology, you may ignore one prerequisite. So they're the tech people, right? That's what they've always been. Everyone knows that they're good at tech um hunter you said this before the show that analytical ability like you could throw that out and Joel Nar would still be great right? yeah
1: just a little just a random note from hunter uh analytical did they really need it i don't know right <laughs> just something i wanted because you know what i'll tell you this i don't i hardly ever play jolnar i i actually this feels weird to say but i've never played jolnar <laughs> in ti4 that seems yeah. like a huge oversight and Forgive Whatever, me man. if people are like, ugh, I can't believe you host this show and you've never played as Joel Narr. But I, just, I don't know. I just didn't. I don't feel just like why? It. it's just yeah. not my it's not my jam. Um, I forgot that they had and anal- I forgot that they could just like skip tech willy nilly. Right. Right. Um, I forget that. It kinda, all the time.
0: Well, and especially it's it seems especially pointless because tech is such a rigid thing and it's not very deep. Right. Like there's only four tech you know that you can that you get in each color. So the ability to skip one is like, oh cool, I'm basically skipping like up to half, right? I start mm-hmm. with one of everything. So I get to skip to the third tech in every single tree from right. the get-go. Right. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's that literally every shortcoming of the tech trees is ignored by this because like the main issue with red tech yellow tech and green tech is like eh, sometimes daxiv isn't important usually graviton's not very useful Majin is very bad jolnar doesn't care about any of those issues they only get the good tech right every single time jolnar never gets a useless tech which is kind of like a ridiculous power. Uh, the brilliant comes in handy just of, in terms of like, you're also going to be getting plenty of tech all game. You're never going to have an issue. I would say, honestly, so the, the whole ability of being able to do the primary instead of the secondary means you're never going to spend $4 on tech. You're going to maybe spend $6 on two tech, but to me, it's more important that you're getting free tech every round. Yeah, Tech only costs a command counter now. The $6, the, the $6 to get one more tech... Is useful but I don't think I even do it that often I don't see a huge need to go crazy on tech as the Jolnar because I'm only getting the greatest hits right like I'm only getting the best tech out there there are obviously probably like within a game there's maybe like two rounds I do decide to go ahead and double tech but beyond that I want to be more focused on getting plastic on the board because that's where my biggest issues you can only fix so many holes by getting a bunch of tech you can fix way more holes by just overwhelming the plastic situation
1: yeah I agree um do we want to talk about that flagship? It's kind of a yeah,
0: weird one. It's just uh, it's kind of in terms of like ability, it's may- maybe it's my favorite flagship, uh, weird. which is funny to say because it's it's not like a crazy crazy ability, but I just think it's so interesting. Uh they have the JNS Hylarm hunter What do you think JNS stands for? I mean Joel Narr seems obvious, but what is that S doing in there? Steve. Oh, Joel jolnar Steve Hylarm. Yeah, yep. you're probably right. Yeah. Yep. Um so when making a combat role for this ship, Each result of 9 or 10 before applying modifiers produces two additional hits. And it it hits... So, the sheet says it hits on a 6, right? But what that actually means because of Fragile is it's a 2 on a 7, just like the average flagship is Mm 2 on a 7. So, all this is to say is the flagship hits 40% of the time, but 20% of the time, it does triple damage, which... Triple damage is a freaking lot. Uh it's if you cool. hit it, I mean 9 and 10s are 20% is not that crazy of low odds. Mm-hmm. Like that you're going to roll some 9s and 10s. And like when that happens, especially when that happens in like the first round of combat, uh that combat is basically over. Mm-hmm. You you decimated in the first round of combat. I mean that is that is a war sun, right? Right. if you 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 have the potential with the JNS Hylarm to roll six hits in one in in from one ship. Right. Uh which is more than 2 war sons. Um so or not more is exactly 2 war sons for significantly less cost. You know, a third a third the cost. Um so it's a freaking crazy good ship. The the thing I've seen pointed out before is it's hard to say if this is actually fixing a hole for Jolnar, right? Like in theory mm-hmm. combat is your disadvantage and this is a really good combat ship. But the whole thing about flagships is that they're supposed to be more utilitarian that like they, they need to have more utility to them they need to be able to do something fancy and extra and this isn't actually fancy and extra this is just like it punches super hard oh poof sometimes uh, yeah sometimes yeah exactly randomly it punches really hard so you don't get to like really rely on it um, to actually fix your combat problem and then it doesn't do anything else on top of that so it's a good flagship I just think it's a really interesting flagship and I kind of like having it on the board from a like I mean, part of me plays Jolnar because, like, they're really, really good, so I get to be weird instead. Like, instead of just, tr- I'm mm. going to play optimally, it's like, I'm going to do weird stuff because I'm Jolnar and why not? And JNS Highlarum, I think, just really fits into that mentality.
1: All right. Well, I want to push back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that there's not... 20% sounds good, I guess, if we're having a lot of combat. Mm-hmm. But, like... If I mean, sometimes, you know, it's always hard to tell how much combat you're going to see in a given game of Twilight Imperium. Right. And like you might have one fight with this flagship, in which case that 20 percent isn't so great. Not so
0: great. And it's not like we're fishing for combat. Right.
1: Right. Um, Other thing is, I feel like we've kind of reached this point in the meta when it comes to flagships. Yeah. which is like you kind of have to cross a certain threshold for it to be worth it to build the flagship because you're putting a point on yeah. the board for people's secret objectives. And to me, this does not clear that threshold. Yeah.
0: I will say if you have uh, the the one where you need to score, uh, where you need to win a combat with a flagship, this is a pretty nice one to have. Oh, sure. Like you, you're sure. going to be good at winning combats with this flagship most likely. So, but yeah, I, it's... If if you don't have that secret objective, you probably don't need to build it, and I agree with that.
1: I think that I think the only and this, I'm going off the cuff here, so don't you know don't yell at me, but um, I think the only flagship out there where if I drew unveil flagship, I would be mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't know, uh, would probably be <laughs> Hakan's flagship.
0: Really, I would. I would maybe throw in Arborek. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Arborex
0: has an interesting idea behind it, but it doesn't pay off at all. I mean, it just, it, you never do it. You never use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but definitely Hakan. But I, I, I kind of throw Arborex into there. of like, am I really going to do this? Or am I just going to fish for another? I mean, for another you, you never want to throw
1: away an action phase secret. Right. But like, it's kind of a huge bummer. I, the, yeah. the Phil Collins too is a little bit like that. Although you can kind of really? just like make up for it. Well, cause the Phil Collins only it's it. What I don't like about the Phil Collins is that like, we still
0: we, so there's gonna be a lot of people who have never listened to the flagship episode that don't oh, know what you're talking about <laughs> the, the the Hill Kalish
1: <laughs> the the ghost the ghost uh, flagship yeah uh, is that it takes up uh, a fleet su- supply and only hits like one on a five yeah which it's is it's, odd. it's
0: the one on a five because the, the whole idea is the the Hill Kalish is really I don't know why we're suddenly talking about uh ghost flagship sorry 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 we're, we're almost but. There. People are going to people are gonna fight you on that idea just in general because I think the Krius flagship offers a lot, but also the Utility whole thing is... Utility-wise, dim- it does, yes. The, the fact that it is an, a wormhole means that dimensional splicer combos with it, which means it's already scoring an automatic hit. So if it scored two on a five... If it, was, if it rolled two on a five and could score an automatic hit, that would be ridiculous. So I think that's sort of the yeah. balancing mentality if, there.
1: If, if you have dimensional splicer, all right, that's right. a fact.
0: Anyways, that was a tangent. Let's talk about Jolnar's... Uh, promissory note faction promissory note is research agreement widely agreed to be the absolute best promissory note in the game by it is hey guess a what a pretty significant margin
1: it is this is something yeah. we can all agree on we can y'all. all
0: agree here yeah uh, research agreement reads after the jolnar player researches a technology that is not a faction technology gain that technology then return this card to the jolnar player hunter can you break down why research agreement is just so freaking ridiculously good that it absolutely stomps the pants off of every single other promissory note.
1: Everybody wants it because the so the only ways to get tech outside of the normal um like grab the tech strategy card or do the secondary of the tech strategy card is research agreement, um that action card, focused yep. research, and then some agendas. agendas. Yeah. Like that are who, you know, no telling if that's going to come up. So the only way you get ahead or improve your situation when it comes to tech is by taking research agreement most of the time. I mean, the rest of those are just like you have. You can't really plan around it. Um, yeah. There is a Sardak game I played where I pretty much based my entire strategy around getting research agreement as much as possible. And I was able to win probably mostly entirely because of a research agreement. Yeah. Right. And not for any other reason.
0: Yeah, the biggest reason is, too, because Research Agreement doesn't cost the Jolnar player anything. Yeah. Almost almost every single other promissory note costs the player something. Yeah. Uh, Whether it be a strategy counter or, you know, oh, I can't attack that player now. Or just, like, there's all kinds of little things that it can cost them. Uh, But in this one situation, not only does it, not it, it, it can be reused right there are somewhere it's like you play it face up right promise of protection trade convoys you sell it once and then that's it mm-hmm. research agreement can be sold over and over and over again costs you absolutely nothing and is something people very badly want those three things combined just make it like ridiculously far and above every other note you can also
1: uh, sell it twice per round if you're
0: researching 2 tech, which right. is
1: nuts. Yeah, like, if you
0: take the tech card and you're the active player that when you when tech pops, you can sell it in between the 2 tech that you research to then make it happen. Or you can like be doing the secondary have already sold it to the person who did tech and then you know get it well you can't sell whatever but the point being you can just you can you can go crazy with you, this research yeah, agreement
1: you pretty much you you do basically have to take the tech strategy card in order to use it that way which is yeah. probably a point for the tech strategy card like in the yeah. mid game Right, especially just
0: a way to sell that thing a couple more times. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And honestly, I don't see other people getting tech as any sort of negative thing. Like I'm, you're already starting ahead of them, and you're already staying ahead of them. They're only researching something that you just researched. So the only time you want to like maybe be careful with it is if you just are specifically not wanting someone to get like war suns or something, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're gonna get light wave deflector or war sons or something else that you deem like pretty dangerous for somebody else at the table to get that's the one time where it's like let me hold on to research agreement let me research that now let me go sell a research agreement well i will you say just...
1: this you, you be sure to like if if you're selling them research agreement that's going to get them a point that round mm-hmm. then ask for more you know what i mean like just just yeah. make sure that that you're that you're getting the value that makes the most sense out of it. Right. That's Don't, true. Yeah. We're we're definitely gonna recommend to like be pretty loosey goosey with research agreement. Um but yeah. also recognize when you basically have like um leverage over people because yeah. they really need it. There was a time yeah. I traded sabotage for research agreement because right. that's how much I needed it. And by yeah. By trading Sabotage, I mean I promised them, promise them to you. use it for them. Yeah. And and did, by the way. I, I'm a man of my word if you ever play with me.
0: <laughs> um, okay, well, let's get into their faction tech. Uh, this is where uh, I think Jolnar steps into being stupidly overpowered. Uh, mm-hmm. th- like, everything else is good and makes Jolnar a good faction. But, like, so far, it's stuff you, we have to, like know how to take advantage of right it's like oh we got to like get the right tech and make sure we're working against our minus one and like if we can work research agreement just right we can make a lot of money off of it and then there's e siphons right and e-res siphons is just broken uh first off it requires <laughs> two yellow which is pointless because you start with the yellow and you get to skip a tech so this is that you get you can get this whenever you want there is no it, don't worry about the prerequisites it's basically non-existent um After another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships, ships specifically, that is pretty important. Anyways, you gain four trade goods. That value proposition is just so wildly off. That's what makes this tech ridiculous. This could be gained two trade goods, and it would still be a very, very good tech to get. Um, The fact that it is four means... Every time anyone wants to target you, and again, you can get this tech round one, which means it can be a problem that people have to deal with all game if you want it to be that, um, you you can just make so much money off of people deciding you're a, a problem. Or they don't even have to decide you're a problem. You can just put stuff in their way, and now they have to deal with giving you lots and lots of money. Um, the sheer amount of money you can earn off of this is completely outlandish.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think it's obviously up there with mirror computing as far as best racial tech of all time. Yeah, uh, it is really insane that I mean, I I hope I hope you realize just like hearing all of these abilities kind of stacked on top of each other, why Jolnar is kind of the most obvious like yeah. number best. one, yeah. like just in general, because these these abilities are just insane. Fragile. Is bad. It's bad that they they're at a negative one for everything, but they have so many ways to get around this problem. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's really gonna come down mostly uh, to plastic. But we should talk about their other racial tech that is so useless that I've never (laughs) that I don't even know what it is. I've never seen it. I've never, (laughs) I've never even been curious about it. Actually, it might be cool. Tell me, tell me a
0: story, Papa Matt. (laughs) <laughs> Spatial conduit cylinder is you may exhaust this card after you activate a system that contains one or more of your units. That system is adjacent to all other systems that contain one or more of your units. During this activation, what is hilarious about this tech is it's a good. That's a good tech. That's
1: really good. That's
0: a very defensive tech. The thing is, Jolnar doesn't need any more defenses. They have two PDS at home. They can very easily get PDS two. They're going to have Erez siphons. They can probably get transit diodes and start putting infantry everywhere. Like they're actually not worried about this kind of defense, which mm-hmm. turns spatial conduit cylinder cylinder into a problem for or an answer for one very specific problem right it's just like oh i have to reconsolidate right now i gotta i gotta move all my forces back this is like a tech you get in round five because you know in round six everyone is going to attack you and you just want to put all of your stuff in your home system and hold oh, out for sure the it's like That's the only retreat. time this is useful yeah yeah it's it, it is literally good to just okay i uh i you know galvanize the people came out that's the one where you spend six command counters and get two points and you know you're gonna get diplomacy so you just like activate that and you know you you pull everything into your home system scuttle half the units they all die it doesn't matter you don't need any more planets to win you just put everything at home lock it down and you're done
1: that's you know for a lesser faction it would be be important to figure out how to make the most of this Right, exactly. in Jolnar's hands, it's just it's just an extra. It's like garnish.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it. Well, it's just it's such a it's such a answer they don't need. They have the Erez Siphons answers this already. Like e- Erez Siphons is infinitely more defensive than this is. Right. Um, it's worth noting that it's also a two blue prior, because it means which means you can get it any time. Like it doesn't. It, it also just doesn't matter. Um, and both of these. Uh, faction techs, I think, reinforce the idea that Jolnar doesn't even actually have tech paths, right? We're going to get into that way later, but, like, every other faction worries about tech paths, and Jolnar is just like, well, I can just get whatever tech I want, right. um, because I because I get to skip techs, and it's it doesn't matter, kind of, the sequence of how I get things. I get to just be this open-ended player. Uh, Jolnar is playing a completely different board game, is the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, I right? mean it's it's almost like a root faction level of like, yeah, this is how different they are basically from everybody else. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it right now just for fun. The only techs that they couldn't get on round one is War Sun, Dreadnought, and Cruiser Two. Right? That's right. That's uh, You
0: could you no you could get Dreadnought 2 round one how uh, could you because. Get- because you start with a blue and a yellow and you could double tech gravity drive into Dreadnought Oh, you're two. right. I'm an idiot. So War Cruiser Sun is literally War, no, because you idiot. can double no. tech Warsun yeah. is the only one you can not f- possibly Jesus, get round yeah, one. Yeah,
1: that's actually it. That is, it, I'm everything sorry.
0: else you could technically double tech and get literally any tech round one you wow, want.
1: Wow. That's so nuts.
0: Yeah, it's pretty gross. Um, Let's finish up this overview by just saying, yes, they have four commodities. So just to like another another point, you know, another check on the board of like, oh, they've got the best thing. Uh, And then their home system is interesting because this could be this could be the one weakness that they have. Right. It is. It's two planets. And it is a one-two and a two-three. And if it were any other faction, we would say, "Ooh, they don't start with four resources. They only start with three resources." And with every other faction, that's a problem because that means they can't afford tech round one. Right? But guess it doesn't, what? Don't matter. Doesn't matter. You get a free tech no matter what round one. So they've already also counteracted that one that that problem, right? The three right. resources are actually split up in such a way that they're actually very useful. Uh, that two-three planet could be. Um, something you buy, you know, you, you use the two resources plus Sarwene tools and get three resources worth of stuff. Or I don't think it's a bad uh, trade-off to just use the three influence for a uh, for a command counter round one. Mm-hmm. Depending on depending on what you're doing, it, it could be worth it to use it for a command counter round one. going more we're likely gonna have, you want to get units, but...
1: We're going to have high influence most of the time going into yep. agenda phases with yep. a high influence home system. Like it's, yeah.
0: It's, it's just a lot. Uh, you, pretty you, great. you You have almost no downsides here. Like literally that fragile infantry thing is your only downside, and it is incredibly easier. E- easy to, to fix. So um No, let's, it's easier. It's easier. It's easier. It's, it's easier it's to easier. fix Easier to um, fix. <laughs> so let's get into strategy cards. Uh, let's get into the like the early game and everything. And I think the big thing to talk about here is the idea that our round one matters it definitely does uh because we start with those two infantry uh but that's really the only problem we're trying to fix here and it's really the only thing we're trying to set up i think when hunter and i were going through this we kind of basically couldn't really say that any strategy card is actually bad uh but i we're gonna be really nitpicky about how are we dealing with the two infantry problem with each strategy card, right? Because everything else is just like standard fare. Like, oh yeah, you get leadership. What are you going to do with command tokens? You're going to do this stuff. But with Jolnar specifically, it is a question of... Can I fix my infantry problem and can I can I expand to more than just one system this round or right, not? Right. That's what every that's what that's the question we're asking with every strategy card pick. So can I Hunter, can I
1: throw something in kind of yeah. out of order here real quick? Sure. I want to throw this in because it feels like this is actually where this note goes. This was from Brian. He mentioned yeah. that uh, if all else fails, you could get transit diodes on round one to allow yeah. you to use those two infantry to like take a planet. Flip transit diodes, bring the infantry back to your home system, and then go take another planet. Yep. Um that's for if you're getting stalled out on warfare. Right. So that's kind of that and I had actually never thought about that before. I mean, why would I? I don't play Jolnar, but uh, <laughs> but that that is your backup plan. So like even yeah. if you end up with one of these lower like strategy cards, you could yeah. just do that. So it will be fine. Don't worry about right. it.
0: Right, you can fix every problem somehow. Um, with everything else, you know, let's let's talk about it as though we're maybe not getting transit diodes and sure. how does it yes. work from there, right? Yeah.
1: We would like so, to not do that, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, more. transit
0: diodes isn't especially useful round one unless we're having this problem, right? Mm-hmm. Unless we are really expecting to deal with a warfare stall. Right, When we say warfare stall, just to make sure we're getting it out there, we, we talk about the player that uses warfare does three actions before they ever use warfare their fourth turn is using warfare to pull a command token back and then that's when everybody gets to build and doing warfare on your fourth action oftentimes means people will build units in their home system but then not be able to move those units out to go take new systems it's too late they've activated too many things they've used up all their strategy cards whatever it's too hard for them to go get other stuff Mm-hmm. Um, that's what a warfare stall looks like. And that's what we're trying to avoid as Jolnar because we need, we absolutely need those extra ground forces. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. So first, uh, let's talk about leadership. Um, obviously with leadership, we're not going to get stalled out with warfare. Yep. However, um, the way that we don't get, it might be hard to come up with um, things to do with all of your command counters that are useful. I yep. mean, you 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 have your two carrier, but you only have two infantry, so I don't know how you're gonna like position those around. I feel like this, if we took leadership, we pr- we maybe have to do the transit diodes play yeah, probably.
0: Because um, the big thing here is yeah, you're you've got one carrier and two infantry to start with that you can move out. That's your first action. Right. Your second action is okay. Well, time to pop leadership. Um, and I guess I'm putting two more in my tactics because you're probably gonna have to burn. Two more actions until the fourth action before you can now move those other two things out. That's burning two command counters. I don't even know if that's worth it at that point. Yeah. Um, it at might the not very be. least, I, I should I say two. You really only maybe have to burn. <laughs> I don't know. You, you can you can put one extra because you don't have to move the dread anywhere, right? We really only need to move two C four I out. We don't necessarily have to have the dread have another infantry and take it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're required to move both carriers and the dread to three separate systems but you need at least the one for that extra carrier so you you yeah you're, you're gonna want to have done one movement burn two command counters and then do one more somewhere else and that's 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 rough right That yeah. that's that's a pretty costly investment just to go take a couple extra planets. maybe it's worth it maybe they're great planets that are very important for us to have um but if it's not if it's kind of a weak slice it's probably not worth doing. And maybe you're better off just doing transit diodes, or maybe you're fine to just not take very much round one and save those command counters for later.
1: I'll throw this out. Maybe. So let's say we're going to take leadership and we're not going to do transit diodes, and we are actually going to wait until warfare pops, meaning we might be burning command counters, maybe even two command counters, which is as bad. But if instead of transit diodes, we go for hypermetabolism, to kind of balance that out, that might be okay. I think that does almost even it out to where I'm like, oh, it's kind of a wash. It's almost almost like we didn't really take a strategy card at all, but at least going into round two, our situation is mostly fixed, um, or at least better, I should say.
0: I agree with all that. Uh, But basically, we rank leadership like mid to low. Not ideal, but if you're fifth, yeah, I'll take leadership or whatever. Sure. Um, Let's talk about Diplo. Obviously, we always kind of rain on Diplo's parade, but I think it's especially bad for Jolnar. I feel like the the past couple episodes, we've been like, let's make a case for Diplo. But in this case, it's especially bad. Yeah. Well, we're (laughs) trying. We're trying. We're really trying. But here's the thing about Diplo. Diplo doesn't solve anything for you. As we said above... You basically start with four extra dollars because you don't have to spend money on tech. And that's like the only reason people get Diplo in round one. Right. There's, there's two reasons for Diplo round one. You want to take advantage of a tech skip so that you can jump to something like Cruiser 2 as MenTech or whatever. There's things like that where you, you want to skip to something to get a, a juicy upgrade or a juicy better tech. Or you're refreshing two high resource value planets so that you can afford tech and also units. And in this situation, tech is free, which means the three resources from our home system are always going to be used towards units or maybe sometimes command counters, which just means there's no reason to do Diplo. Um, right. You're not that worried about being attacked early, so you don't actually need to desperately get plastic out because those two PDS in your home system are going to protect your your main you know spot you're going to leave om- empty. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think Diplo has absolutely just no purpose for you Um, there's there's no reason to need it you don't need to buy two tech round one you it's it's not a requirement to get that six extra dollars to get two tech uh you might as well just get the one for free and do some normal expansion and diplo is too low in initiative order to help you fix the warfare stall problem so it makes it extra bad so diplo still sucks here
1: (laughs) yeah most yeah mostly bad not no no real good argument for it um politics um i i feel like we rate this one above leadership uh, definitely yeah. above diplomacy um yep. speaker token always fantastic um but and basically i feel like Joel Nars shines more on round two anyways so like yeah. Whatever got messed up in round one, if we're having like a slower start than normal, uh, having the Speaker Token round two is pretty solid. I mean, yep. and the other kind of big aspect of this is with Speaker Token going into round two, we could talk about doing some mechtal business uh, yep. for Jolnar, which is very, very possible and in the cards. And with Erez Siphons is maybe even a fantastic idea, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I don't like, I, and I actually feel like I'm kind of in the minority here, I am not a big fan of carrier and ground force stealing the custodian token. Um I feel like it's yeah. kind of a like it's one of those things that sounds like it makes sense. It's like, oh, it's for a point and points are how you win the game. But also, I feel like your opportunity cost of losing an early game carrier is actually can sometimes be devastating. Um that with e res Siphons, there's absolutely no worry of that. Yeah. It's like whatever Add value to you're that, losing.
0: You could just send the Dreadnought. It doesn't have to be a carrier. It could be oh, a sure, Dreadnought totally. and a Ground Force, and that makes it even more difficult for someone to decide to go just jump on it and, and attack you, right? That mm-hmm. Dreadnought is actually pretty difficult to remove. Um, so you could easily set up a situation where you're taking Mechatol first action round two, and almost no one can deal with it. Now, I'm more inclined to say that means round one, you're probably getting Gravity Drive. And then hopefully you're teching Erez Siphons very early round two, um, and that just means it people probably have like a round or two, uh, you know, a turn or two of actions in round two to deal with you on Mechatol. and most people are just not going to do that. They don't they don't care enough to like immediately jump on you after you've taken Mechatol. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you should get Erez Siphons up quickly enough. So yeah, I I like politics plenty. Um, I don't think it does anything crazy for you, but it's good. And the bigger thing too is and I think you kind of started to say this, but you can sell that speaker token. um, And if for some reason warfare happens to be like the player to your right, who you would most likely be selling that speaker token to, you could sell the speaker token just for a favorable warfare timing, right? Right. You could just, their second action is warfare and exchange for the speaker token. And that means you get to build your ground forces at home and deal with your issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, with, with the speaker token and research agreement, uh if you're for sitting commodities yeah if you're sitting next to warfare they're gonna do whatever they're gonna yep. do whatever you tell them to do let's be real <laughs> like they're not gonna like they're not gonna fight you on this it's gonna make so much sense to basically let you yep do do your round one the way you want to because they have so much to gain from that's the whole thing about jolnar is at any point you can kind of decide like i want to make this work for you um and you kind of have the best like Uh, negotiating chips on the table you have research agreement yeah
0: yeah Uh, let's talk about construction Uh, i rank construction pretty low in fact lower than i rank construction for most factions i kind of don't like construction for jolnar and i I know that there's a counter argument to it and i will get to that but my beef with construction is i start with a space dock and two pds in my home system already I don't have an issue there and I also don't necessarily desperately need a second space dock at home. Um, the, the biggest argument for construction is your home system kind of sucks for production. So if you do have like a Biz Freya or Bear to 4 with a three resource planet out there or like, you know, Zobat or something. If you if you have a good place to put a second space dock. OK, I get it. Product, uh, construction could be good because um, I want to get a new forward dock out there that is a better production center than my home system. That's fine. Um, the other thing, too, is you could decide to tech pds2 round one because you start with a red and a yellow you could just get pds2 right out the gate you could take construction and put two pds in your forward say uh you know in a forward system and now you have two pds at home and let's say two pds like adjacent to home on the path to mechatol now you have this huge area where you're firing five shots At anything that comes into territory because for PDS and plasma scoring nobody's touching your stuff this is the play against a really hyper aggressive meta against you you're expecting people to want to attack you round two but the downside to construction round one is again it's it's too low in initiative order that means you're almost definitely going to get stalled out on warfare and you don't have anything to offer the person with warfare to help you. Um, I mean, you do, because you're Joel Nahr. You have research agreement and four commodities, so maybe you can make it work. Um, but it's it's trickier with construction. And so, I sort of, when you get to construction, it, it usually means you're sixth pick. You're the last person to pick. And at that point, I actually have a genuine conversation with myself of would I rather just go ahead and take Imperial instead of construction. We'll talk more about Imperial later, but I I, that's on my mind when I'm last pick as Jolnar.
1: Okay. Can I, uh, can I throw out, can I kind of counter you here a little bit? Um, Do it. I think if you're sixth pick the likelihood that first pick your neighbor has warfare is I think higher than average. I think if you give me that, so we are a faction that can get gravity drive round one. Yep. Possibly deal with warfare, the warfare player, um, and get a favorable secondary, meaning we could be in the perfect situation to set up that forward dock of yeah. I'm going to, you know, the next to Mechatol uh yeah. spot. Or an or Equidistant. Ec- or an Equidistant. And set up uh a space dock and PDS there. And also if we're going like gravity drive into round two Erez siphons, we might kind of get that all right well my slice is online it's round two and also if you activate any of my stuff you're going to give me a bunch of money so that it could construction could end up and i agree with i i agree with the idea that it is probably lower because the warfare player has so much the the warfare player is like key if you take construction but again like we've kind of already been saying you have everything you need to make a strong argument for getting your way Right.
0: So, my pushback. My only pushback against that is yes, you could offer a lot, uh, and I think it's going to cost a lot because the idea that war, the person at warfare, is going to let you take the equidistant and put like a PDS uh, or two there. Yeah, they're or definitely a PDS not going to let there, you take
1: their equidistant. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. you got to go somewhere else. That's the deal you got to make. That's exactly what I was going to say. Either like you said, go adjacent to Mechatol, but even still, the idea that you're making like really aggressive board position moves. Um, ideally you're probably doing it the opposite direction of the person with warfare. But if you're doing it the opposite direction with per person with warfare, you might actually have difficulty doing trades with them, which is why I wanna now start talking about specifically the trade strategy card, because I think Hold it up. feeds um, into I, all I, of this. Okay, I got go I, one one little counter one last report. point.
1: All right. So Round one gravity drive. That's my point. That's that's my hit. Right. Oh, do you do you want do you need do you need round one gravity drive? I got you taken care of, my bud. Like yeah. here's research yeah. agreement. Here's research you agreement. have warfare, you could even do better with your yeah. warfare pick right. now that you, you have could round go one, crazy. gravity drive. So that's, it depends I think on that's what very the faction true. is too. So yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. But let's
0: talk about the trade problem, right? Okay, trade trade is usually a very great pick, and it's not a bad pick for Jolnar, but I actually think it is less good for Jolnar than it usually is for other factions again first off we have four free dollars because we don't pay for tech uh, so we don't we're not hurting for trade we don't desperately need it um, but the biggest issue with trade is that Jolnar doesn't have a trade ship when we say trade ship we basically mean a destroyer. Or a cruiser that could be sent out to go end up being adjacent to someone else, right? Right. You go park it in an equidistant or you park it next to somebody else's, you know, home system or whatever. You get it near somebody else so that you can establish trade routes with them. Jolnar has a carrier, a carrier, and a dreadnought, all of which start with movement one. And the likelihood that you're going to get gravity drive and then, like, send your dreadnought out to go be a trade ship That's just all very slow, like the the time it would take you to get that gravity drive. and It's just a lot to ask. So uh, you're just not especially well set up to become neighbors with people, Mm -hmm. Um, which means more likely with trade, you're probably getting adjacent to one person who is willing to send their cruiser or destroyer adjacent to you. And someone's going to be willing to do that because somebody wants research agreement. But I think with trade, you really only end up trading with like one person. Right, which is not great.
1: So then it's kind of a crapshoot as far as like, all right, well, who's my neighbor? Like, do, do they have four commodities as well? Right. Like, can I make it's enough a con money the game? off of like,
0: one person? Yeah,
1: right, right. So uh, yeah, I th- I think that I think trade is. I don't want to make it sound like trade isn't good though. It's more like trade isn't as good as it normally is exactly. for a faction like this. Exactly, I'd, trade is fine. Yeah. In fact, I would say thus far, it's probably just a little worse than politics or even tied with politics. Right, like as far as all that. the strategy cards we've talked about up to this point, yeah. it has a lot of the same dynamics as far as arguments that we've made for politics, meaning like I've got trade, I've got leverage I can use on the warfare person. And I could even understand if somebody was like all those arguments used for politics, I actually use those for trade because I get more money out of it. And yep. I don't care about the speaker token because going into round two, I'm Jolnar, you know? Right. Um,
0: While we're talking about this, let's just say this argument only exists round one, right? Yes, yes. Round two and forward, trade freaking rules, and you should get it probably decently often, because it's going to be your best friend. We'll probably talk more about that later when we get into, like, meta stuff, but, like, trade is only kind of tricky round one, and after that, Oh, it's great. You're going to love sailing. it. It's going to yeah. do so much for you. Super smooth sailing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's just this first round that it's a little bit tricky. Uh. The only other thing to throw out there is trade might be another way to help you pay for a favorable warfare timing. Yeah. Um, there's also the idea that you could be like refreshing everybody and making them owe you. This is a really popular thing, especially in the tabletop simulator meta of like, hey, I'll refresh you as long as you give me a trade good later, like in the agenda phase or something or whenever we're neighbors. And that's fine. A lot of groups do that. I just don't – it's not my favorite way to use trade, and especially with Jolnar, it's not fixing anything for them. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay, you're going to make some money. Basically, just trade turns into, like, its default ability, right? It's just like, okay, yeah, you're going to make some money, whereas a lot of other factions get to use trade as this, like, oh, my gosh, I get to fix so many problems, or oh, my gosh, I get to go so far ahead that it's going to be ridiculous. And I just – Jolnar doesn't really get to do that, so it just feels like, yeah, you're going to make three to six bucks maybe. I don't know. It'll can be I, fine.
1: Can I throw a hypothetical at you, actually? That I'm kind of interested in your answer. Yeah, please. To? Um,
0: so you are second pick.
1: First pick took warfare. Well, not spoiler alert. We're about to say that warfare is the top pick. But yeah. so, first player picked warfare. Second player is you. Do you pick politics or do you pick trade? You're gonna be their neighbor. You're sitting yep. next to them. Um, and let's kind of pretend that you're playing in like sort of like on a tournament map where it's pretty yeah. even as far as access to each other might go.
0: Yeah. Here's here's what I'll say to that. I think that decision comes down to the map placement. Sure. If if you have some pretty useful way to set up for a Mechatol take round two, if you have a planet if you have something in the path to Mechatol Rex, which you almost definitely do Maybe politics is probably better if you have a weird slice where your path to Mechatol is just like empties or anomalies or whatever because people were really mean to you in the map build because you're Jolnar and they know you didn't need any advantages. Mm-hmm. Trade is probably better because you're just you're gonna go that you're gonna go in their direction anyways, right? You're gonna you're gonna expand mm-hmm. to the right of your home system probably, um, and then they can maybe expand to their left and you guys can trade and it'll be great and you don't need to do anything with politics. But if you have an opportunity to go deal with Mechatol. I think taking politics and offering them, uh, well, you can't offer them speaker token, right? So you're right. gonna take it anyways. Right. Actually, that's tricky. Actually, politics isn't great. See? In general, if See? if their first pick, if your third pick and second pick takes warfare, it's a different conversation.
1: I'm kind of having this realization of like, I kind of feel like trade might be bumped up a little bit in my head because if, you're if yeah, if you're in this situation, I realize we're making this probably too specific at this point, but if you have trade. There's more likelihood that you can kind of exert influence in a cup. There's a there's a world where, with trade and research agreement, you were able to get Warfare to play nice and buy the speaker token. Yeah. Now, that's yeah. Christmas land,
0: but that's, that's a big Christmas landy, but, but it, you, it makes but, sense.
1: But you're Jolnar, you've got research agreement, and you've got a bunch of trade goods to play yep. with. So, yep.
0: who knows? It's true. Maybe so. Let's talk about warfare. Warfare is our favorite pick for Jolnar. Uh, The biggest here's what you do when you have warfare as Jolnar. In in my mind, if you don't have some weird goofy way to get infantry, otherwise, if you're not planning to do transit diodes, there's no soul to sell you military support. Your first action is going to be to build at home. Maybe maybe your maybe it's your second action. Maybe your first action is expand out with one carrier. Your second action is build at home, and you're going to spend your one two planet on four infantry, right? Right. You can only build four units. You're spending $1 in Sarween tools. You get four infantry. Then your next action after that is to unlock your home system, uh, pull it off the board, put it back in your tactics area, and then move all your stuff out. Expand with your other carrier. Expand with your uh, Dreadnought if you can be in range. Hopefully by this point, gravity drive has popped. You time it around that based on what system you want to go take. You probably took three systems, five planets, and uh, then you have the opportunity... If, uh, if you, it gets weird here because you you, you used one token, you started with three, right? You used one, uh you pulled one back, and then you have three total, you expanded with three, you can't quite build at home again, right? So you're probably spending your two, three on- Another uh, command token. A command token, this is why it's even more important to probably have your first action be to expand so that when you build those infantry, I don't know, it gets tricky because I really wanna build the four infantry, but there's an argument to maybe only building two infantry and building more ships. So that's sort of your own mental math to make. But in my head, you 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 don't have enough command counters to make all of that work. And it gets a little gross. But I would take building more stuff at home over doing a third expansion with the dreadnought. Does that make sense? That's, yeah. that's going to be your choice, right? Either leave two resources unspent or expand uh, and and expand with your dreadnought or spend the two resources and probably lock down your dreadnought.
1: And don't forget trade though. That could throw all of this in this. So what's so cool about taking warfare is that you, you don't, you're not looking at the warfare player being like, Oh, I hope you make this work for me. So now you have four commodities uh, that you can possibly deal with. You've got, your research agreement. So any trades that you get involved with is just gonna make this strategy work even better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think there's almost like no downsides to warfare, basically. Yeah. Right? I mean it's just it's just that like your number one issue is this infantry problem and it solves that and you get to have some wiggle room with other stuff too. You can sell the warfare time. It's just like you get to do a lot. And I I, I because you get that tech for free, it's it's just a lot. That you get to do and i don't see any reason if i if warfare hasn't been taken i take warfare a hundred percent of the time Right. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. too
1: good it's, it's perfect perfectly solves what your your problems and you're not uh you're not playing against somebody else in particular yes. You kind of have control of the table you have all you can, the control you can make your advantages go
0: further uh, Hunter, tell me about why tech is weird. <laughs>
1: uh, tech Tech is weird in a lot of the same ways that trade is a little weird for Hakon. Although I would yeah. say this is even weirder than it is for Hakon to take trade. I agree. Um, because like you don't need to. You just need trade to, or technology to get taken. And it's round one. It's going to get taken. No, but like yeah. It would be ridiculous for the group to be like, "We're so scared of Jolnar, we're not even going to take tech." Yeah, that um, doesn't happen. Right. Um. It's not. I mean, it's obviously better than some of the things we've talked about. Uh, it's good that you can't really get stalled out on Warfare this way because you're number yep. seven. You go after Warfare. Um, it's It would be really tricky. It would require some, like, action card pickups or something. You'd have to do something nuts um, to yeah. stall to stall you out round one.
0: Actually, you know what? I, I put that in the notes, and I'm just realizing that that's actually not quite true because of the whole notion of how you have to, like, go about spending command counters to, to pull all, all the stuff off that you need to do. Right. Let's say you expand once mm-hmm. your second action is to play tech. You probably are going to have to burn one command counter before warfare warfare is going to pop. Right. If they're like truly, truly stalling, you will sure. end up burning one command counter on just like a well, wasted this, activation. This is,
1: this is a situation where you hope there's a strategic place you can put your dreadnought.
0: That's true. Say. You, you, be, you become better at trade with this because your, your dreadnought becomes a trade ship. Yeah. Um, and that's really helpful.
1: Kind of a scary trade ship. But yeah, I mean, I I would say you're going to have to f- just find something to do with that second. Uh, with It's not your second action. I guess it would be your third action. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's fine. It's it's not it's not great. It's it's just kind of generically helping you. I'd probably put it below leadership, maybe above construction.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a good like fourth pick. Probably. I actually
1: think I would put it below construction, though, sometimes. Interesting. It just depends. It depends, depends on, on what you want to do. What the, depends on your slice. Because that that kind of Thanksgiving, I'm not going to call that a magic Christmas land situation to describe <laughs> with construction, but that magic Thanksgiving land <laughs> situation with construction sure. where it's just like looks like it's going to pop off pretty good and you're going to have yeah. a forward dock. Um, I like that better than if you take tech. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Just Maybe depends. so. Yeah, I, 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 I can get that. Well, when we talked about construction, I brought up Imperial, and I kind of want to make a case that uh, Imperial might be the better sixth pick. Um, construction is fine. Uh, if you have a, If you have a good slice, construction is probably pretty good. But if your slice is kind of meh, and you're not going to get to really expand the way you want to anyways... It might literally in this one situation be worth it to just go ahead and get an early second secret objective and kind of figure out how the rest of your game needs to go and just sort of be like, all right, round one didn't go so well for me, uh, but I'm going to come up with a really good game plan for the rest of the game and move forward from there. Yeah. I'm not making a very strong argument here. I don't feel very firmly about this, but I just think that there's an argument that Imperial could be an okay sixth pick here over construction.
1: I don't love it because... I don't think you're going to be the only player that gets that second yeah. secret objective. Leadership
0: basically. might also draw the person who got leadership might also draw a secret objective. Yeah, and that would be the main advantage to picking Imperial early is you get a, you get that second secret objective before anybody else gets to think about it. Um, and I don't know. I we talked about this earlier uh, off air, but there to me. Leadership debates between politics and Imperial in this situation, and I'm the type of player who would probably try to draw two action cards over drawing a new secret objective if if I'm doing it as a secondary. Um, But, Hunter, you seemed to think you would always go for Imperial over politics.
1: No, I think I would. Yeah, I I would much rather get a second secret objective in hand than end up drawing two action cards and it'd be yeah. like you know two useless yeah. action cards I think or even two argument. mid-tier action cards you know um
0: i th- i think you as a play like a- each person themselves will have to just decide is it worth it for yourself to get a secret and let someone else get one i don't think anybody else is doing the secondary of imperial i don't know maybe the warfare person and the tech person might i think that's a bit bold of them to do that but yeah it it unlocks we just never see it and so i think that's why i'm more willing to like think about if it's possible but because we never see it that is probably evidence that it's just like it's never worth it when you're in an actual game it just doesn't seem you might as well get some more pds or a space dock out there right Mm. construction is almost always better than diplo or imperial right
1: yeah i me think so
0: Me think so. All right, so we've we've kind of hit everything and and again to reiterate it not that it requires much reiterating But this whole time all we've been trying to deal with are our problems which of which there are very few But let's go over them real quickly just so that we have them kind of on the table Our round one is a bit more complicated than a lot of other factions because we only start with two infantry And we want to fix that problem We have the potential to expand very very well if we can fix that and that can set us off even better and then going forward we're worried about ground combat in general because our infantry hit on a nine instead of an eight and then when we upgrade them okay now they can hit on an eight but everybody else is now hitting on a seven or whatever it, it's it just sucks and you miss a lot and then you lose ground combats so that you really didn't expect yourself to lose so we've got to fix that problem mm-hmm. and then the last huge problem uh i say huge i don't know ground combat is probably the biggest problem but Like, you might be hated at the table, right? You're Jolnar, and any, like, decently experienced player is just going to turn that meta against you right away. Hunter, do you think that meta ire is a big deal?
1: I mean, I think the reason... So, like, when we talk about Nalu, we'll probably talk about, like, oh, they're... You know, people are going to kind of be like, ah, Nalu wins a lot of games. But Nalu, or, or, like, Soul, they don't have an Achilles heel, They're just, like, pretty good, well-rounded factions that if you want to beat them at their game, you have to just kind of beat them in a fair fight. Whereas Jolnar is, like, conditionally very good with, like, situations where, like, hey, there's not enough ground forces over here, so it looks like I'm going to be able to make something happen. So it's, like, I think that is the reason why Jolnar gets a little bit more heat than some of the other top-tier yeah. factions. There's
0: a there's a line of sight on how you could deal with them yeah. with Jolnar. There's like, oh, we could do this to them, and it, and it will hurt them. But on the flip side of that, they have just... So much that they can trade away. They have so much yeah. to give the table that it's really hard for one player at a time to give up on four commodities or a research agreement or whatever. Like th- there's just so much that they can give that the other players, you know, th- that that negative energy tends to hurt Jolnar less than something like Soul or Nalu or maybe even Sar.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's this is kind of a difficult. Thing to talk about because, yeah, I think what you just said makes a lot of sense mostly in relation to E-Res Siphon. So e Siphons is just kind of perfect for this meta problem, right? So it's like, okay, yeah. you hate me, and my infantry are wimps, but every time you activate my ships, I'm making money. Yep. So, yeah, yeah you it's kind of it's a very deliberate um design there with E-Res siphons of just like every time you try and take advantage of the holes in their defenses you're also yeah. giving them money which compensates them for whatever damage you may have done to them right. um, which sol and analu cl- clearly don't have that type of ability yeah. and the other the other problem too is like why do you want to be mean to the Jolnar? Be their friend. They'll
0: help you. Yeah. Like, You're it's gonna make just a good thing. Well, like you talked about with your Sardac game, right? You mm-hmm. were just like, oh, I'll always be Jolnar's friend. No big deal. And then if you do it right, you can just win. You can just win because the Jolnar gave you too much because right. you were the only person willing to buy from them. So it can go both ways. Who knows? Um, but I, I think there's going to always be someone at the table who's willing to, to take that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I I'll, I'll say this. I think. There are games where Jolnar bites off more than they can chew because they don't get set up enough before they yeah. start making big plays. Right. A Jolnar that I goes agree. for Mechatol round two but hasn't yet really fixed the infantry thing. Things can get like kind of dicey there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I and, agree with that. Yeah. And and um, Erez is fantastic, but also like getting stomped is getting stomped. And Jolnar is yep. one of the most popular factions to For there to be like an early game. Oh, I activated your home system and I'm going for it right now. So like, don't get, you know, you're safe, but don't get too cocky. Cause like I said, there's a, there are conditional situations where your wimpy infantry are going to mess things up for you. Basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You, you are an easy, you're an easy target for someone to be like, "Mm, I want to deal with that ish situation before it gets worse. Yeah. And they will jump on early opportunities to, to mess with you. Let's get into tech. This would now be where we normally talk about tech paths, but I think we have to just put that that notion aside. Jolnar doesn't have a tech path. Tech paths don't exist for Jolnar right. because you're not working, like we said earlier, you can get any tech you want from round one, right? War Suns are literally the only tech you cannot accomplish getting round one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we didn't really say this uh, in the round one stuff, but we should. I don't like getting two tech round one necessarily. We didn't didn't really include that in there. But as we're getting into tech, I want to bring that up of I think you get your free tech and then you build units round one. Getting trying to make six bucks and then get two tech, I think, is a waste of your own time. You're going to get plenty of tech in round two and round three. There's no need to keep yourself spread. There's no need to make yourself that much more of a target. Because if you're getting, if you're spending $6 on tech round one, you have no units on the board and people even more want to look at you and go, mm, let's go ahead and deal with that problem before it's a thing. Right. Um, so I hate getting two tech round one as Joel Narr. So instead, let's, let's answer this question of we're getting one tech round one. What do we want to get? And I think there are a few really great answers. And then I think everything else is like, you can get it later. So Hunter, what is the number one get round one?
1: Um, so this comes from Robo this is a Prioraata from Robofish uh, hyper metabolism which I also agree with this, this is like my yep. favorite one to get for them um, uh, Robofish says my picks for starting technology would generally be hyper because everyone wants that in the first round this makes selling your note very easy yeah um, it has so, that
0: double hypermetabolism is good for you but it has this added benefit of you get to tell the table hey i'm planning to get, he- get hyper metabolism so who wants the best research agreement you could ever get around yeah. one hypermetabolism? this thing's juicy and i could sell it for a lot you could get four commodities easily for research agreement that is going into a hypermetabolism. you could try to get more right you could go right. to the trade person and be like give me five trade goods for around one hyper I really like I, this point uh, because
1: yeah. if you're going after, let's say you're going after gravity drive instead, and you're going to research agreement to that to somebody else. Well, if if another player gets an early grav drive, that means whatever shenanigans you were going to do, you've now created competition for those shenanigans and yep. possibly now are going to get stopped by somebody else getting there before you do. Yeah. Whereas with hypermetabolism, you don't really have to ro- worry about that. You're helping somebody with their uh, command counter economy but you're not really giving them more options immediately right
0: right yeah and 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 hyper is just great to get as early as possible right yes, it's you're gonna yes. you're gonna get the most command counters out of it if you get it round one i mean and this is just, like it,
1: max hunter's law basically yeah, like, yeah yeah
0: and a third benefit here is it's your second green you can't you can't skip text to get uh upgrades but now you have two greens, which means you can get Infantry 2 whenever yeah, you want. Buddy. And that's your number one weakness. So now at any point, we can decide, oh, time to fix my Infantry problem, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. And you're done. I mean, that, that's literally it. You get Hyper, you get Infantry 2, you basically could coast the rest of the game and get whatever tech you want. Just, like, whatever comes up, it doesn't matter. But, like, with those two tech, you kind of have just, like, set up the best scenario you could for, like, solving your main problem. Mm-hmm. Um, gravity um, drive is
1: pretty obvious, though, right? Yeah,
0: gravity drive is pretty obvious. Uh, this is more of a slice-dependent thing, you know. If if there's just like a really juicy system, you gotta reach out there and grab. Uh, gravity drive is great. Or if you're planning to do the Mechatol Rex round two thing, and it's it's a situation where you have to get you know that much distance, um, then okay, it makes sense. Let's do gravity drive. Uh, the other thing that gravity drive could be useful for is a situation where. I don't like it, but you are going to get two tech round one, and it's gravity drive into carrier two or gravity drive into dreadnought two, so that you can move those things three systems away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is hyper aggressive, and I don't advise it. So basically, mostly just get the one gravity drive and go take a system that is a little bit further away that helps you, you know, accomplish what you need to get. Right. But hyper or gravity drive is definitely second to hyper. Um, We talked about Brian uh, saying stuff about transit diodes, but here's another one that I think is okay, but I have some pushback against it. Phantasma says, I'm a huge fan of first-round PDS2, even above hypermetabolism or E-Res siphons. Three shots basically shuts down any early game harassment, and it's a good unit tech, it gets around your fragility, and it will continue to be relevant all game. Waiting until round two to pick up PDS2, risks tech popping after the point it would have helped you what phantasma is referring to here is i guess if you have an incredibly hyper aggressive table that in in round two is like i'm gonna gut the fish yeah pds2 makes sense if you see that writing on the wall if you know people are going to see you as a major target from the get-go i get getting pds2 and being hyper defensive right away that that does make sense to me but i don't think most tables are that way and i don't think pds2 is that urgent you can probably get it round two and not be targeted that quickly
1: yeah uh what what i don't like about pds2 round one is it's not going to lead into an even cooler round two yes uh, and it feels like we're kind of putting off uh our economy going completely insane which is i think the ultimate goal that we'll talk about when we get to the mid game is us just having a bonkers economy yeah. um I get what Phantasma is saying, though, and I think in some groups this might make a lot more sense than it makes to us.
0: Yeah, it might be necessary <laughs> in some groups, right? Like, it might be a thing where just, like, Jolnar is so dunked on every game that it's like, if I don't get PDS2, they're just gonna absolutely ruin my life, so I, ha- I have to do it every time. I mean, um, like,
1: if I was advising someone, like, if we were talking tournament stuff and somebody asked me, like, what should I do if, like, somebody gets Jolnar and I'm in a tournament yeah, game, I would right. be like you got to get some aggression off before e Siphons kicks yep. in, and which would mean that what Phantasma is describing would basically shut down that play completely. Yeah, definitely. Like, so, I mean, yeah. there's some value in it. It just depends on the situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jesse Phenom throws out, my thing to do with Jolnar is rush for E-Res Siphons <laughs> and Fighter 2 take leadership and a bunch of tokens and just take up every free space available, especially in front of you, um and you just gum up the works and that tends to give you cash to pay for your objectives and big stuff like war suns so just getting out there and putting fighter twos in the way of everybody immediately so that then when they're trying to do the rest of their normal expansion and like take equidistance and stuff you just have units everywhere and you make like 16 bucks by like round three yeah uh that sounds fun and crazy and and Tricky and also a way to be definitely become the enemy of the table and like maybe never sell research agreement again because everyone's just like nah you're making so much money we can't sell we can't buy anything from you right right but also like okay well whatever I made sixteen bucks screw you I don't need to sell research agreement um uh this this one's fun that's how I put it
1: (laughs) it's cheeky the idea of putting having e res siphons and putting a fight or two in in a player's way yeah. That is hilarious to me. Right. Just being like, here's my fighter two. It's sitting right here. Okay. So now you have to activate it. If you, if you want to take your, you know, the planet that is in your slice or whatever. Yeah. But that's more goofy than it is. I think exactly great, but I, I like the goofiness
0: absolutely and and again there are lots of situations in casual groups where jolnar is like the excuse to go get goofy and be and have a fun game and not take it quite so seriously like try the weird stuff because you don't ever get the opportunity to with any other faction i will say generally speaking i push back against eras siphons first i don't think you need it round one or mm-hmm. two uh, maybe you research it in round two but you don't need it in like the first couple turns of round two um so the only other reason i would excuse i would make for eras siphons first is is if you know you're taking Mechatol Rex as your first action, yeah. round two. And then uh, if cool. you were able to get to Mechatol Rex without gravity drive somehow, I don't really know how that quite works out. Flank speed, but if, early right, flank if speed. Right. If you get that early flank speed, if the warfare is actually a way for you to move twice, I don't know. But if you can get to Mechatol Rex and already have Erez siphons, mm. that's beautiful. That's, that's so that's pretty yummy. delicious. That's yeah. so
1: <laughs> hilarious. That's so great.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about then what comes after that, because again, there aren't tech paths. It's just like a, what's the tech that we should try to eventually get? Right. We at this point, you know, we probably have gravity drive and hypermetabolism, like th- those are the two things that seem pretty easy to go ahead and assume that we get but Dude, what are it's the like, other
1: I mean the tech situation for them it's like you're at a all you can eat Chinese buffet <laughs> you have a hundred dollars in your pocket and it costs two dollars
0: yeah, like you're exactly. like oh I'm
1: good for it and it's like yeah. yeah just have whatever you want and hey guess what it's a long game we're gonna be here all day so yeah you're gonna let's have talk as about much the chicken, safe choices let's, chicken let's... you want general <laughs> so's all that stuff egg rolls <laughs>
0: You get it all. What are the safe picks? There's safe picks, and then there's like, ah, let's have fun. Come on. But safe picks, let's say we've already gotten, you know, uh, hypermetabolism and maybe gravity drive. But what, what else do we want to go ahead and well, get? Well, you better um,
1: get infantry, too, before yeah. people get wise. Like, yeah. before people start looking at your at your stuff and being like, look at these nerds yeah. on these planets. Let's, let's stomp them, you know? Yep.
0: Uh, I think Fighter 2 has a place at some point. Uh, you better have it uh, because Fighter 2 is a really good way for you to... Uh, st- so here's the interesting thing about Fighter 2. In in Sardak's case, Fighter 2 is great because you take advantage of that plus one statistically, right? Mm-hmm. More The more units you get, the more that plus one does for you, which would seem to make the case that Fighter 2 is not very good for Jolnar. But what Fighter 2 allows you to do is have lots and lots of things to soak hits, which means you just get more opportunities to roll the hits you need. If you have fighter two and then war sons, which is certainly possible as Jolnar, right. the Fighter Twos just soak hits so that your War sons have time to get all of the hits that they need to get. You're not expecting your fighters to score very many hits on their own. They're just there to soak damage and then be gum to activate E siphons. That's what that's why Fighter Two is good for Jolnar.
1: Right. Yeah, and speaking of which, e Siphons. Yeah, you got to get that. I don't know if you picked up yet, but it's pretty good.
0: You don't need it round one. You may not need it round two if the you know if table is being friendly with you. There's no need to get e Siphons until the point when people would need to start activating you, right? So that's the whole thing is it's not a, a get it right away, but it's a definitely get it at some point <laughs> kind of tech.
1: I will say this, though. I think generally speaking, you're probably going to want to get it set up before, like, I mean, I know if I was playing against a Jolnar, I wouldn't want them to know I was about to attack them if they didn't yeah. have e Siphons. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I right. d- I'm not going to be like, hey, just so you know, this is the round you should get it because next round I'm coming after you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, would, I wouldn't I would say that. Yeah. I would just try and sneakily be like, all right, yeah. they don't have it yet. I need to make this play now. Right. So, so the earlier,
0: the better. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: yeah. Don't, don't try and automatically read everybody. Like, probably get it done just to be on the safe yeah. side.
0: Yeah. Um, And a big thing to all this, too, is, like, we're trying to stay friendly with the table as much as we can, which is why I put things like Carrier 2 and Dreadnought 2 as, you know, next in line. If Infantry 2, Fighter 2, and Euro Siphons are, like, first on the list, or I guess second on the list, Carrier 2 and Dreadnought 2 are third on the list. That mobility can be great early game, but we're actually not looking to make enemies, and we're also not, like soul or yin or extra who are good at taking something and then holding it we're actually pretty bad at holding stuff in most situations so having that early mobility doesn't really do much for us we're actually kind of looking to do the control objectives in the late game when we actually have fixed our combat problem right so carrier two and dreadnought two are great but can be held off on just a little bit
1: speaking of holding stuff though if you did not get transit diodes early yeah. You should probably get that. I mean, yes. we we have an infantry yes, 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 yes. problem, uh, so we need to make sure that our infantry are as flexible as possible. So transit diodes pretty much always good yeah. to pick up.
0: All right, let's get weird, Hunter. What's okay. weird? What's what's the fun stuff you can do as Jolnar that isn't stupid? There's stupid, you know, like X eighty nine, always bad. Sure, you could always, sure. you can get it at some point as Jolnar. If that's an issue you have to deal with, but what are the cool things that we can actually do as Jolnar that just like nobody else gets to do?
1: War Suns with light wave. Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> I war sun light waved. I got fleet logistics to do. Ah, uh, uh, I got war Suns in all blue. Okay.
0: But there's a serious argument for War Sons. Not sure. just oh Jolnar can actually do it, but okay, combat is bad for Jolnar if if we're making the opposite argument of Sardak. Sardak wants lots of units that hit at uh, you know, whatever numbers, but the plus one is doing more for us, so the more units we can get out, the better. Which means for Jolnar, the less units we can have that do lots of hits, the better. That's yep. why the flagship is kind of interesting, but that's mm-hmm. se- especially why war sons are interesting. The difference between hitting on a three and hitting on a four is very negligible, Yarn. not that big of a deal, not to mention. Warsons have massive bombardment. We've been talking about this infantry problem. You know what's really great about dealing with infantry? Bombardment, uh, four dice on a four, that'll deal with your infantry problem if you're yeah. trying to invade planets. Warsons are very great for Jolnar because of fixing that problem. The number one issue with them is it puts another target for destroy their greatest ship on the board and if you don't have fighters to back it up, it's easily direct hitted. Like War are still kind of just a bad unit in terms of how easy they are to take out, but if you can get the fighter twos to defend it or like the rest of the fleet to defend it, War actually fix a lot of your major issues as the Jolnar.
1: Right. And I mean we should have the money to have War yeah. with oh, solid fighter screens. Like we yeah, that direct hit should never we should never be doing that until the last possible moment at this yeah. point. Um,
0: um, but the, uh, another argument to make would be the blue tech tree. You meant, you mentioned four sons with light wave, but just getting light wave in general is good. Sure, yeah. Hunter, you have a fun argument for fleet logistics here as Joel So Nair.
1: I'm weird about fleet logistics. I almost never get it. Uh, even though like, you know, it's blue. So like, I mean, most games you could get it right, right. that you end up yeah. playing. Um, the thing about fleet logistics is I feel like it's one of those things where it sometimes as critical but a lot of times it's like i'm gonna get fleet logistics and be like well i don't need to do two actions so i'm not going to right um or it can be kind of questionable why i would even need to do two actions in one go but then there's those final rounds where having fleet logistics made your whole plan possible because you were able to get it all done really quickly i do this Get my you know get my final point that I need, and then I do this going and, yeah. and uh, getting everything back to my home system, so that you can't even stop me now because I got it all done in one go. Right. Um, I don't. I feel like that situation is kind of hard to predict. Um, so a lot of times I don't end up getting it unless I see that already. Yeah. Right. Joel right. NAR is probably the only case where I would be like, I'm gonna get fleet logistics because it might come up and be useful, and I'm Joel NAR. I can afford right. to get. A tech just because I think it might be good. Yes. Eventually. Yeah, for
0: everyone else, it's an opportunity cost, right? Like, oh, I'm only getting like six tech if I'm lucky this right. game. Right. It, do I really need to make fleet logistics one of those? Whereas Jolnara is like, man, I could get two tech every single round if I wanted to. I can get. 10 tech this game fleet logistics can just happen to be one of them that's fine and it will unlock some serious potential in the late game if i want it dude and it
1: would be so cool if you got fleet logistics and then kept passing on it like never actually using the double actions and then like a round or two later you're like surprise you guys forgot i had fleet logistics because i have that and now i'm about to do all this stuff and you you just didn't see that coming because you forgot i had it yeah yeah um
0: the the last thing and you i think i see people kind of theory craft this more than i see it become useful but uh jolnar is the probably the only situation where integrated economy is kind of a a a serious consideration that you could have yeah right you can get it round two pretty easily you could technically get it round one i don't know that i want to stretch myself that thin to get it round one um but the whole idea with integrated economy is you can get lots of fighters and infantry on the table in planets that you just took. It's just like very good at moving around. And it's most people can't utilize integrated economy because by the time they get it, all the planets have sort of been taken and you're, you're going to get very limited use out of it. But Jolnar actually have an excuse to maybe get it and then do their expansion and get lots of extra units. And it solves your infantry problem, right? You're just, you could just drop infantry on the table and have, have that problem solved. Uh, it's still a little risky for me, though.
1: Sure. I mean, I think our problem with integrated economy, every time it's come up, the reason why we don't really um, bring it up that often is it feels like something that's going to be a lot better early game and not late game, and because Jolnar could get it early, it solves that problem. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, we've we've fixed, you know, we, we've figured out the tech. It's not. It's not even really a scary thing for us. I think the only, like, kind of major thing we haven't really talked about is our trade in, in more than mid game, right? We kind of talked about like how difficult it can be to trade in the early game, but we mentioned that trade is a really great get in the mid game. Sure. So yes. uh, what wh- what's, what's that all about? And I think the biggest thing we have to talk about is research agreement and like how you should behave with research agreement. Um, it's not something you want to keep tight to the chest. You are trying to get that thing out as often as possible. Right. Yeah. And, and not just that, but like, the strategy you'll see some people take is like, I got research agreement, um, and I did pay for it, but now I'm going to not ever use it just so that Jolnar can't make more money. Um and that's how good that, it is. That's that. how good that's how, that's how good it is. It's the one promissory note in the game where people are like, I'm gonna buy it and never use it, never take its advantage because I'm just trying what they're doing is paying to try and shut you down, which is wild.
1: You know, honestly, if somebody, if I was playing and somebody was like, like, was like, I want to have a secret conversation with everybody except for Joel Nahr, and they were like, all right, I'm going to buy a research agreement. I need you guys to all give me one trade good to buy it <laughs> so that we yeah. kind of buy it as a table. I'm going to yeah. buy it and I'm going to lock it down and then they're not going to get to, d- I would almost be game. It's yeah. like, it's that, so hard. W- that could
0: easily happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, what's your job as Jolnar? Well, your job is to keep research agreement enticing, right? Yes. You're not looking to sell research agreement and then make it a situation where the person doesn't want to use it because your whole goal is to get them to use it, return it to you, and sell it again. Right. Sell it again and again and, yes. again, and yes. again and again and again and again and again and again. So, you are looking to keep getting juicy tech. And And even more so, make that part of the deal, right? Like the tech that they want should be part of the sale of that research agreement. Hey, uh Joelnar, do you want this research agreement round 1? Uh do you want hypermetabolism round 1? Is that interesting to you? Oh, it is. Okay, yeah, definitely. The price went up just a little just a little bit then. And did you just, can go just ahead hypothetically you.
1: sell it to a Joelnar player. As, did I say Joelnar? I yeah, meant to say did, Soul. Solnar, <laughs> the Soul Joel, the
0: Soul Joel. Whatever. You, uh, the I, point I, being I get what you mean, yeah, yeah, hit hit go to the factions and look at what you know they need because it really isn't any skin off your back to go ahead and let them get the tech that they want because you're also getting that tech and you're gonna get more tech than them, and you're gonna get more money than them for that tech. They're paying you for it. So just sell it as often as you possibly can. You want this promissory note to be returned to you. So when someone takes it and is kind of being stingy with it, that's when you're like, Okay, you want War Suns though? You might want War Sons and that seems like it could be pretty cool for you.
1: Yeah. I mean I think I, I think the advantage of selling it frequently being paid you know, I mean don't don't sell it for nothing. Let's say right. that. No, I mean definitely don't not. don't go get don't your money's s- worth.
0: But that's the thing is people will pay.
1: Right, right. I mean, like, what's the lowest you would ever sell it for?
0: Um, I mean, I guess if it was like really bad and the table is being meat, I would, I would sell it for two trade goods.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, it's kind of in that two to four trade good kind of area. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, I would probably, but yeah, just play ball with people, right. uh, throw out. Oh, uh, I'll sell it for four. They say, oh, well, uh, uh, what about three? fine like i you know yeah, what i mean that right type of right thing. Don't, and, and don't. again it
0: all depends on what tech they're wanting to get out of it and sometimes you can make the case of like listen i know that this is helping you quite a bit if it's yin brotherhood and you're getting transit diodes you know that that's going to get them a long ways which means the price goes up a bit um there, there's an opportunity of like you know this is going to be your last chance to get it from me easily otherwise you're going to research it on your own so you know it, there, there's just a price it's the whole argument here is where they would normally have to spend four resources and a command counter. Now they're just spending the four resources. Yeah. That's kind of your biggest argument.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it is probably the most fun promissory note to have and to play around with. And just, it opens up all of these possibilities for people. Um, I think, taking trade yourself in the mid game, pretty much from round two to round four and five yeah. with the goal of like building up an ungodly pile of trade goods yeah. is very common and just very solid. When well, and the other advantage job. is
0: it's keeping you from looking like the enemy you're going to be. Right? right. Right. You're you, you need to keep, you need to keep people on your side for as long as possible because the second you get your tech fully online and have all the plastic you need, you're actually going to hit like a freight train and you don't want them to see that coming. Right. Um, you you want to keep them really happy and, and, you know, make trades that are like somewhat favorable for them or at the very least, like even for them. Don't make it look like you're holding these trades over them and making so much more than because then they're going to see that as like aggressive trading and then you're going to come out and be even more aggressive later. Just be a friend of the table because that's how you kind of lay in the shadows until your moment to strike.
1: And let's always remember the tactic of, you know, cuz eventually the table might decide, "No, everyone quit buying research agreement. Jolnar is too fed like no matter yeah. what, don't do it. Stop doing it." But then there's going to be that one player that's like super unpopular and kind of yeah. the bad boy at the table, and then you kind of come <laughs> to the bad boy and be like, "All right, let's do this," you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I've literally uh, been it- that bad boy in games. So like I- I'll tell you,
1: it 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 freaking works.
0: <laughs> and all of this feeds into the idea that like, there is a point where you're not going to be fragile anymore, right? Yeah. You start fragile, but you won't be. And, and players are going to know that that's going to be coming, but you need to kind of sneak that on them. Um, so your biggest goal is to become not fragile. Cause you've gotten enough tech and upgrades to fix that. And to have been bankrolling so many trade goods that you are like super well set up. The whole goal is to once the late game comes around, you have every tech objective and economic objective completely ready to go. You right. are you are done. Those are on lockdown and all that you have left to do is stretch and maybe pull off control objectives if they come up. But you have enough pla hopefully you have enough plastic on the table to pull that off. That's really the only thing we're trying to work towards in the mid game is like accruing all of this other wealth while also making sure we're getting units on the board and in positions where if those scary control objectives come up, maybe we can accomplish them.
1: Yeah, we want to have more. We want to have, you know, that that game you play where it's like, I've just got more fleet supply than everybody else. I've got bigger fleets than everybody else. I've just got more plastic on the board. That's how you win as Jolnar. That's how you overcome fragile is however much stuff they have you have more so yeah that's and that's why trade goods is such a natural like just leaning into economy is like kind of the natural way of it i've seen so many games where there's a hakan and jolnar in the same game and jolnar is really making more money than just overall yeah that happens a lot
0: um can we talk about the one other goofy thing that's in here our, uh, oh code. sure, yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, we won't spend time. No, we're not gonna spend a ton of time. We've on already.
1: This. I mean, we have talked about it. When we it have talked up, about it because it. it
0: happened in a game. But let's let's just throw a little fun uh thing to if necro is in the game, uh, letting them get Erez siphons isn't actually the worst thing in the world. Like with a lot of things with necro, it's like, ooh, are we gonna let necro get floating factory two or Latani warrior two? I don't know if we should. Erez siphons. You want them to get it because mm-hmm. you get to break the board game. You get to completely destroy the economy of the game. And now the two of you get to activate each other kind of like needlessly. Just like, oh, I activate you. Looks like you're going to get four This
1: goods. shouldn't exist. I'm and just going to be real. And then they activate real. you no, and you make four is, and you guys just it's make so stupid. That scary amounts of money. That shouldn't happen. That should. You shouldn't <laughs> be able to do that because it's so upsetting because you're just turning... You're just yeah. making more value. It's like you just yep. you're just making something out of nothing when you do that. Yeah. You spend yeah. a command counter, you get a command counter plus a trade good in value yep. basically. I will
0: say this is fun, but also it's probably better it's no, it's definitely better for the necro player because the necro player gets to turn around these command counters a lot easier than you can. Oh, right? for sure. They also, they like get four necro- trade goods. They spent one command counter. They technically could buy two more command counters from that one command counter they just mm-hmm. spent because mm-hmm. they got the four trade. Like they it is literally them just making a ton of money versus you also making money but maybe not at the same rate as necro. So, the main reason I would use this is if you are trying to set up a situation where you don't have Necro attacking you all game. And instead, it's like, hey, listen, don't attack me. Just activate and get your money and go deal with, you know, your your issues elsewhere. Let's do a support swap. Well, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that but was. but regardless, the two of you can set up a situation where you make it lucrative, but just like make sure you're not letting Necro get too far ahead of you. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that goofy fun thing out there.
1: Yeah. What was that? That was Jaynor and Ginger that did that, yeah. correct? Yeah. 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 Well, the, you got your you got your extra shout out, okay. <laughs> Good for y'all breaking the game.
0: <laughs> okay, Hunter, is that is that it? Did we are we gonna now win every single time we play Jolnar ever forever and ever and ever? I Can't mean, lose? I'm still
1: not gonna play them. They're just not. They're <laughs> just not me. I just don't. Yeah, I don't I, There's always been something factions that just have too much stuff it's like too many options i don't like it it's like yeah. i'd rather be good I'd, I'd rather be really good at one thing than like what it what it feels like Joel Nar is good at is just like a little bit of everything yeah which is i don't know that's overwhelming to me and yeah and i and i don't like it so that's why i don't really play them
0: yeah Well, let's get into the next fun bit, which is we've got more tournament updates. The tournament has been continuing to go. We've got five games to talk about today, Um, and today is entirely thanks to space lawyer, our new field reporter who has been sending a, you know, he, he's now the one hitting up players after games and getting reports. And, and we've got more reports from space lawyer that we're going to read out for you. So this is basically five plays of the week <laughs> for you. Um, I think, they're really no, game. Can I, I, but. can I just say something?
1: It is yeah. insane to me how wonderful the community is yeah. that we, that, that is forming around the tournament and around yeah. this show and around this game, I cannot believe really how splendid. frequently people have come out of like and just been like, hey, um, I just like this work to do and I will just do it. Yeah, because, like exactly. honestly getting these takes from the players has been kind of a struggle for me and it's Matt really to do. Hard. Yeah. It's hard to track them down. It's hard to keep all of the games straight yeah, uh, and the fact that literally someone has just volunteered to do this, like I just can't believe how, yeah, yeah, thank you so much, space lawyer. and just thanks to everybody in this community. Like, I don't know how we got so lucky to have yeah. all these people. it's
0: pretty it's pretty amazing how much contribution we get to the show. so thank thank you so much. Uh, let's talk about game twenty four tagline, do something and you King make do nothing and you king (laughs) make
1: that could be like the tagline for all (laughs) of tournament for all (laughs) yeah
0: exactly every show every ti game uh the winner of this one was mate nason uh who played the ghosts of Creus. is this our first ghost win i think it is is the ghost first ghost
1: win love it and they won in daddy
0: warbucks which is like a super interesting ghost slice to me very fun very cool um here's here's our report Uh, It seems like a fairly standard tournament game of TI4 without big plays and highlights until the late game. Sardak gets really techy early by getting three techs round one and having XO2 by round two. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Points were scored rather easily for everybody because of many spend objectives uh, and easy to score secret that got leaked, uh, that's classified document leaks, and Mutiny giving everyone a point. So just lots and lots of free points. Uh, Mid-game, the Universities of Jolnar got punched hard Hard. The L1-Z1X assimilated PDS from Jolnar and Sardak Oof. attacked their home system. So here's your example of Jolnar just getting dunked on by the table. Uh, surprisingly, Jolnar decided not to use Sardak's ceasefire when they got attacked. It turned out to be a huge mistake because they lose their home system to Sardak-Nor. The barony of Letnev and the Asaral tribes were leading the pack with eight victory points with ghosts at six when mutiny came up. Ghosts convinced the table to let it pass to give everybody a better shot at winning. Going into the final round, once again, action cards played the big role. Ghosts used political stability to keep leadership, and L1Z1X was public disgraced from getting Imperial, ending up with politics instead while Barony got diplomacy. The Asarl tribes tried to make Sardak do their dirty work, by lifting the command counter from Diplo off of Barony's home system and using warfare and giving action cards to Sardak through Spynet. In the end, Sardak refused to take Barony's home system because he had no path to victory and did not want to kingmake anybody. So the best shots of winning, uh, after L1 was out of contention because of public disgrace, uh, were Isarl at 9 with the initiative of 5 and Barony at 9 with initiative 2. A dipload home system and a one victory point tech objective in the pocket, with ghosts at seven and initiative one. So, ghosts managed to get 16 influence um, to be able to score the two victory points from Manipulate Galactic Law and had a lucky secret objective draw that uh, Isaril discarded to control four culturals, of which they had. And basically, what ended up happening is no one besides the Sardak Nor could stop Barony, and the Sardak refused to do so, which then meant L1 and Asaril were the only ones who could stop ghosts, but because the table had already negotiated this like thing of, like, uh, I don't want a king make, L1 and Asaril also agreed not to do anything about ghosts, because they couldn't decide if it was right for, th- it's just that, like, classic scenario. So basically, nobody stopped ghosts, and that's what led to ghosts getting the win, despite, like, maybe they could have pushed for it, but they all saw the writing on the wall of, do we just give the game to ghosts or do we give the game to Barony by stopping yeah. ghosts?
1: Not to open this up again, but sure. I do not on a, and it's a, it's like a philosophical thing. Sure. The do nothing and you King make idea.
0: Doesn't work for I me. I don't,
1: I doesn't, it's never worked for me. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, you're not you, just because you are not like, I totally get it when people are like, you know what? I can't do anything for myself to win. So, I'm not really going to do anything. And I get, I totally get what happened here. Because they could not, as a table, decide to stop everybody, they decided to stop nobody, which to me is fair. That makes sense. Yep. Because, yeah, if you're just going to stop one player just because you can, but you just have decided not to stop the other one, that to me feels more like kingmaking than what they ended up doing. Right.
0: Definitely. Right. I, I agree. Um, yeah, interesting to note here too is that a player was Robofish from ah, yes, the yes. Gen Con Finals. Um, and and this makes sense from from a Robofish perspective. He's very much that kind of player of like you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of just another game of Twilight Imperium, and uh, you know, that that feeling of king making over overrides their desire to like just do all the stuff just to yeah. keep actions going and all of that. It's like, nope, I, I see how this game plays out and I have no desire to just needlessly contribute to somebody else's win. I
1: hope he comes to Gen Con again. He's so much fun to, yeah. to watch. So play. It's a big trip
0: for him, but uh, yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah.
1: And check out, if you haven't watched the Gen Con finals from this year, you check do. it out. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people have, I know, but I just want to throw it out there. All right. Game yeah. 25. Um, the winner is Baron Evernoob. All hail to him. Um, oh wait, sorry. This is the tagline. <laughs> this You're is fine. the tagline. I read it wrong. Um, Baron Evernoob, all hail to him, took the space highway to victory. <laughs> so it's kind of a, you We'll know. get there. Yeah. yeah. So Evernoob was playing as the barony of Letnev uh, in Daddy Warbucks, which is like kind of had a comeback. I feel like yeah. that slice started yeah. out kind of shaky and now it's like proven itself to be pretty good. All right, here we go. The game started somewhat as expected with a soul and speakeasy. Soul took mechatol round two and also took a VP lead early on. Most people had a good start. L1 and Sardak both drew flank speeds off of politics and were able to get the juiciest systems in their slice round one. Early support swaps were made, as has become fairly normal in TTS meta. Four supports swapped round one and the other two in round two. Soul and Barony had... Uh, an especially solid early to mid game L one and Arborek got into an ongoing fight with each other over Thibba. Yes, you are reading it right. Thibba Um, (laughs) stopping, uh, you know, sometimes it's not even about the planet. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Stopping soul began in round four. Barony used military support, which he bought from soul round one to steal a strategy token from soul. Ooh, that's so spicy. This leads to soul missing out on tech and not being able to score a tech objective. Meanwhile, Sardak wiped Soul from Mechatol Rex using Barony's faction promissory note to re roll. That's, that's interesting. A you see that a whole lot. Yeah. Barony decided to keep the heat on Soul because they still were in a good position for scoring despite the loss of Mechatol Rex and the denied tech objective. Barony took Mechatol Rex, cleared out the B-hole, and used unexpected action to pull that command counter and successfully invade and destroy Soul's forward double dock in front of his home system. After that move, Berney had ships in all systems aligned from his home system to Jord, known as constructing the space highway. <laughs> that is so hilarious.
0: There's a picture of it. If you if you dig through, uh, you have to search for Evernote's uh, posts in the Patreon tournament chat on our Discord. But there is a picture of a straight line of nothing but red right? units, That's like a, a straight through the o'clock middle of the map. to six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, the, the last round got a little bit wild with Arborek accidentally losing Barony's support, Barony using crippled defenses on Yin to stop the 4PDS secret, and Soul getting publicly disgraced when taking Imperial. With Soul having leadership and scoring first in the status, Barony had to decide whether to invade Soul's home system or to sol- solidify his own position. Because a big Yin fleet was in striking distance of Mechatol Rex, Barony decided to pull stuff back to Mechatol Rex and his home system, risking Sol scoring first with nine victory points. Barony then bought six command counters off leadership stalled everybody out and snuck into a wormhole after everybody passed turns out soul could not score a single victory point and barony took the win by scoring a stage two public objective galvanized the people and becoming the gatekeeper that is exciting Wild. and Wild. i will say makes up for if you guys remember from last year ever noobs stack gate one of the biggest controversies in the history of the show stack eight it was uh, it shook our administration it almost resulted in an impeachment yeah for us um all
0: right game 26
1: You didn't give that a lot of love, did you, Matt? (laughs) You're like, we have a lot to get through, Hunter. We have a lot
0: to get through. It's an hour and 45 minutes into this episode. Go, 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 Uh, go, (laughs) go, go, Uh, go. This one's tagline. Actually, I changed the tagline on this one because I actually moderated this game. So I remember this one fairly well. But uh, I tagged like this one. What's there to talk about? Just stop everyone from winning. Uh, and our winner here was Lazy Boy as the Necrovirus in Speakeasy. Uh, finally, we get another win in Speakeasy. It had been a little bit. And a lot of the victories in Speakeasy have only been like Soul or Jolnar or whatever. So it's, it's nice Hakan. to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nice to see a Necro in Speakeasy pull it off. Um, the game began with a nearly silent round one. Round two started with something unexpected by many people. Necrovirus was able to steal Impulse Core from the Yin Brotherhood. People were going crazy about this on the Discord. The Yin Brotherhood researched Impulse Core using a yellow skip because he wanted to scare off a uh, neighbor Muat player and hold them out of their slice by threatening the War Suns uh, by using Impulse Core on them. Uh, Yin's plan worked out since Yin and Muat swapped supports. For the throne. Uh, to make it even more interesting round two, Necro sets a blockade on Mechatol Rex by putting a cruiser above it with the purpose to snack tech on a possible attacker. Mentak decides to help Necro with this plan by attacking the cruiser with a single Mentak cruiser, but fails the ambush roll and ends up losing the combat. Uh, Necro reconstructs Sarween tools from the debris of the pirate ship and reinforces the Mechatol blockade by playing war effort and putting a second cruiser <laughs> in the sky above the Emperor's seat. So nobody took Mechatol round two. In round three, the Mentak coalition puts the Necro-Mechatol shenanigans to an end by wiping Necro off their freshly researched Cruiser 2s and using the secondary of construction to put a PDS down on Mechatol Rex. This end up, uh, ends up leaving Men- Mentac without any command counters for the round and a very poorly defended slice. Uh, I think this is the round that Mentac ended up actually like not having enough command counters to do the secondary of warfare or build at home. They had like six to eight unspent resources because they tried to take Mechatol. It was very rough uh, for Mentak. Barney and the L1Z1X take advantage of the situation by eating a big portion of Mentak's slice. The first agenda phase sees a mutiny point for everyone but Necro, and a new stage 1 objective from incentive program, so it's going to be a fast game. While Mentak tries to recover in round 4, the sneaky Yin Brotherhood puts Ixthian Artifact on top of the agenda deck with politics, the table votes for the Ixthian, and the nuke clears Mentak off of Mechatol Rex. So, just so you, if you're keeping score, Mentak basically only has their home system left at this point. Just, uh, just a string of really terrible luck for Mentak all game. Uh, Necro is the one that jumps on the now empty Mechatol, going second in initiative order while Muat and Barony uh, attack each other and take each other out of contention. First, an entire Barony fleet gets wiped out by trying to fight the Muat Warsun parked in front of Barony's home system. Then Muat takes Barony's home system with the Warsun and later Skilled retreats a second Warsun into it. (laughs) Barony throws everything at his home system, survives the space combat with two sustained dreads, but is only able to take one of his home planets back. Muat loses three war suns this round. On the other side of the map, L1 and Mentak keep fighting. L1 scores destroy their greatest ship by destroying the fourth moon, but losing two dreadnoughts uh, to the pirate's PDS network. Um, and when the Mentak lost the fourth moon, they lost the opportunity to score their secret objective unveil flagship. Oh boy. Yeah. More bad luck. <laughs> Mentak tried to take revenge by taking L1's home system, but they fail with uh, the attack because they only brought two cruiser twos and the PDS took them out. In the final round, yin could win with either a f- uh, fourth planet of the same trait or with ships and six systems but necro denied the the first by attacking yin's main invasion fleet and wiping it out to score Sparker rebellion putting necro to seven points and opening up a chance for them to win l1 tries to win by putting ships above poorly defended barony space dock but the uh, tech strategy card Uh, Scoring in fifth position is pretty bad for them. So while Yin gives up their chance to get ships and six systems, uh, because it doesn't matter. Necro has leadership. Necro is able to steal a fourth yellow tech from the Muwat and score three victory points off of Master the Laws of Physics and Revolutionize Warfare. Uh, That's three points from just tech for the Necro in the final round. And all of that happens in under seven hours to be the fastest game in the tournament
1: nice that's a crazy game that's super- it was
0: it was really wild the last round was seriously anybody's game i mean it was it was four players that all kind of were all jostling for position and and in the end that tech objective was just unstoppable which just feels like happens so often with necro mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty wild
1: all right uh, let's, he, let's do that next one matt
0: here's game 27 uh tagline give soul an inch and they'll take an l which i learned is a British version of the give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Apparently there's a lot of ways to say this phrase. Uh, we were talking about attorney chat an in the L? attorney mods chat. An L is like your, is your arm. It's like up to your elbow. You give them an inch, they'll take all the way up to your elbow. They'll take your whole arm oh, basically. Okay. Anyways, that's fun. Uh, or sometimes it's the cards that are not played that decide the game. <laughs> it's
1: like a jazz thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the cards they're not
0: playing. Um, the winner of this one was S G U J. Uh, as uh, soul and speak easy. Uh, the Ghosts, MJ Uldra, were off to a hot start out of the best ones, scoring Intimidate the Council in round one, taking Mechatol and the Custodian Point in round two, scoring a VP from Imperial. In this all eyes on ghosts situation, Soul jumped in and generously took Mechatol away from the ghosts, while also swapping supports with a weak looking Barony and scoring the secret to control Mechatol Rex and having three ships in its systems, all with the approval, or at least the acceptance, of the <laughs> table. <laughs> Mechatol Rex never changed hands. Again, this game and Soul ended up having 15 to 20 ground forces there in the final round. Uh, Magic Christmas land for Sol is not over yet. While successfully making a deal with a Sorrel to score corner of the market, Soul also drew a technology writer off politics, which combined well with his Imperial writer he already had. Uh, with Centralized Galactic Trade, the 10 Trade Goods states 2 objective on the table, economic equality came up in the agenda phase. Sol puts a technology writer on against. Which would give him Fleet Logistics or Lightwave Deflectors and put Imperial Rider on four. Because the Ghostacreus were afraid of Soul taking their home system with light wave deflectors, uh, they and the other players, thinking Soul would go for fleet logistics for a big swing, they finally voted on four instead. They were more afraid of the tech from Soul than they were of the point, giving Soul oh, not only God. a victory point to go up to seven points, but also five trade goods while the ten oh, trade goods stage no. two is out. The ghost's fear was not unreasonable since he was in the lead at eight points at this moment, but starting round five, four players had a shot at winning. Ghosts picking first were forced to take Imperial to deny nice soul who was still sitting on a huge stack of ground forces on Mechatol, a possible action phase, uh, uh, they, they denied Soul a possible action phase win. Soul takes trade with the second pick, which granted him five more trade goods since he had L1's trade agreement. As was holding a public disgrace at the moment, but decided not to sabotage it. Uh, ghosts were able... or uh, Sorry. Uh, Soul not having a sabotage, but Asarl decided not to play the public dis- disgrace on trade. Seemed like not a big enough threat. Right, uh, ghosts right. were not, able. To it's not high enough in. in yeah, initiative exactly. Order. Yeah. Uh, ghosts were able to set themselves up go- for going to ten points by holding four industrials to score a corner of the market and a secret objective by using signal jamming against soul to lock down a system with industrial planets and then making a deal with soul to make him activate another one in the meantime soul has won the game already if his home system is not taken he has 10 trade goods for galactic uh, centralized galactic trade and also had locked down the secret objective of having Uh. two faction techs very easy for soul Fun fact, Sol was afraid that there was an action card in Twilight Imperium 4 that could take away his trade goods. That is why he kept stalling in the final round by orbital dropping around to avoid passing and then not being able to sabotage the non-existent action card, which he assumed Asaro would have and would have transparisteel plating. So the only existing way to stop Sol was to take their home system. However, Jord was too hard to reach because of all the gum in the way. And even if someone was able to reach the home system, he would have to fight through at Least 10 spec op twos to take it. The moral of the story is never ever let Soul get away with anything, even if someone else is looking like they're the bigger threat.
1: Yeah, I think uh, to me, the moral is more like if you're in a situation where you're like, all right, well, it's kind of my game, or make someone win. Yeah, like you kind of have to risk your game because if you decide that someone else is the winner by giving them a point off of Imperial Rider. Then like well like you, you still you gave lose it up like, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> like sometimes you gotta you gotta go with the devil the devil you know instead right. of like just yeah feeding somebody yeah. a point um all right cool that that was a that that game was wild um, that's
0: wild the one you're about to read is so much wilder and i yeah, can't wait <laughs> uh, th- i
1: i've been specifically told that i have to read this one i have not read it yet so i don't sure. know what we're about to get but i've been told that i have to read this so this is game 28 <laughs> the tagline is the story of the hot rod baron and the sneaky <laughs> space goblin love the title yep um the winner was Patchface playing as the asarl tribes and Lil brother everything about that what all those words i just said are cool yeah. Um, especially patch face that's awesome this is um,
0: the this will be the third win for little brother in the tournament little yeah. Brother underperforming a bit um but pulling off a victory the here. only
1: slice that is truly underperforming is turtle's paradise yeah that's yeah. true yeah um barony started the game in a some kind of mat style okay He stretched himself way too (laughs) (laughs) thin. Okay. All right. I'm game. Uh, So he stretched himself way too thin, taking his full slice, the equidistant system between him and the best one, or the, the, sorry, he took his full slice, the equidistant system between him and the best one, and taking the custodian point at the beginning of round two. That actually doesn't make sense. Oh, Barony did. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Also, yeah. in some kind of Matt style, I uh, have to mention that Space Cat referred his playstyle to be like Matt's. Okay, so Space this Cat's is, like... The
0: point, they, they keep bringing up that it's playing like me, and this is because Space Cat specifically said he kept playing like me, probably yeah. by accident. It's a mistake to play like me. Right, Anyways. yes,
1: it is. It's a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> he makes a deal with Yin just to distract Yin from his real plan and immediately breaks the deal. So, Matt... Um, He tells Yin, who is sitting right before Barony in Speaker Order, that he will take politics and sell Yin the Speaker Token. Yin then takes trade, and Barony goes back on his word and takes Imperial. He just made that deal to distract Yin from blocking Imperial from him. With the Imperial point, two public objectives, one secret at the end of round three, as well as a mutiny point from the first agenda, and a support swap with L1, which was initiated by Barony, to hold L1... From wiping him off Mechatol, Barney is at eight points at the end of round three. What? <laughs> six points scored. Yeah, this is this is this guy's better at Matt than you are. Basically, <laughs> like, with a tech objective in the pocket, form a spy network as a secret objective, and six action cards in his hand, including experimental battle station to protect his home system. The whole table, besides Barony, went into a secret conversation (laughs) to make up a plan to stop Barony. This is, I'll say this, for all those people that are not Barony... This is embarrassing. Yeah. You know, like, we already know that Barony does not win this game, but I would right. have been like, all right, guys, th- we are, this is not How good. did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> so Isaril feeds Necro Fighter 2 and Mageon implants. Two Mageons later, Barony only has four action cards and cannot score his secret. Barony manages to get some heat off his back by convincing Necro and Asarl to not take his home system, but to get themselves into a better position for next round since he cannot win this round. That's that's great. Necro does not pull the trigger when Barony shows him his secret objective, form a spy network, and make an example of their world, the latter freshly drawn off Imperial. And Barony keeps his home system one more round. Good job, Barony. Barony scores the tech objective and goes up to nine points in round four. Beginning round five, Necro takes Barony's home system and Barony builds a new space dock elsewhere to build Arc Secundus out of it to maybe be able to score make an example of their world in round six. To make this situation even worse for Barony, he gets publicly executed in the following agenda phase. In the meanwhile, the rest of the table tries to stop each other from winning instead of Barony. The you-almost-win-hot-potato hops between Yin, L1, and Sardak, while Isaril stays a little bit behind the pack in scoring. Then, Seed of an Empire pops in the Agenda phase when Barony is at 9, and Isaril is in last place at 6 victory points. Isaril plays an Imperial Rider on Against, which gets sabotaged, then plays a Politics Rider on Against, which passes. Because the game would end if they go four, the table votes against, giving Isarel a VP to go up to seven, as well as the speaker token from Politics Rider. In round six, Barony tries desperately to bombard a final unit on a planet, and the rest of the table takes away seven opportunities from him. Wow! Here, geez, (laughs) here are two especially mentionable ones. Number one, Isarul plays Rise of a Messiah, which you'd think they wouldn't, but Isarl plays Rise of a Messiah, which places a single infantry right adjacent to the Ark Secundus that forces L1 to spend his last command counter to get a lonely destroyer above this little lonesome space goblin and protect him because Barony has L1 support and needs to keep it to win. Wow, that's actually genius on Isarl's part to be like, okay, I'm going to manipulate you. Barony attacks a planet adjacent to his space dock where he built the Arc Secundus to bombard the Isaral infantry there. Isaral uses a skilled retreat to pull off his infantry and, gets, and and get his ships into the space above Barony's space dock to be able to co- score cut supply lines in the status phase. When leadership pops, Isaral buys four command counters to be able to score Galvanize the People with Imperial which he picked with the Speaker token from Politics Rider. He then pops Imperial, pays the six tokens, and goes up to nine points. Isar'l's other secret objective in hand is destroy their greatest ship, which was unscorable until Barony built the Arc Secundus in reach of Isar'l's fleets. Barony makes a last effort to score Make an Example, but fails. This gives Isar'l the opportunity to attack the Barony flagship with two carriers, five Fighter twos, and a Destroyer playing prototype and a morale boost to shoot the mighty arc secundus out of the sky and win the game with an action phase secret what a cool game if that ain't the most
0: is ending i don't know what else is that's
1: one of the best is you know you you know back when we started this show and we were like oh we want plays of the week and every week it was, was it an Asarl? here's yeah. an Isaril one. This is a new one. Like yeah, I've that's never it. heard this one before. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah,
0: it's not. It's not a like I stalled, installed, and installed, and, and then played three action cards in one. This is like I spent three rounds playing the perfect action card at every possible moment yeah, to then win. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and they're not like the flashy ones either. No, it was just like skilled retreat at the right time. You know, yep. like that's it's juicy. Oh, wow. That's yeah, good that stuff. also. I mean that rise of the Messiah play yeah. which is like I mean there's no way to say that that wasn't somewhat reckless but yeah. I love it it's like it's it's I don't know it's cool yeah.
0: reckless definitely yeah Uh, So super fun. That puts us at the end of game 28, which means uh, we've only got, what, that's eight more left. Um, And technically speaking, every single game in the tournament is now officially scheduled. Everyone should have their emails sent out to them. Uh, This puts the end of the prelims on March 1st. Uh, If you haven't received an email and you thought you were in the tournament, Uh, basically uh, double check your spam folder make sure you haven't received that email and if you really haven't I'm sorry the schedules have just been such a mess these last few weeks uh, but don't don't completely give up hope because people have been dropping. There have been a few instances of like two hours before game time, the game drops or, you know, someone has to drop. So keep your eye open on your email. If you still want to try to desperately get in the tournament, your chances aren't completely gone. We we sometimes do need alternates, but we just, you got to keep an eagle eye on your discord DMs and your email. Um, but beyond that, um, the, the games are scheduled. We are going to finish these prelims finally.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, and we are, that means we are very close to the semifinals and remember yeah. every semifinal game will be broadcast on our Twitch and yep. then, uh, edited and uploaded onto our YouTube page. So get ready. All of that stuff. Super exciting. Um, Patreon business. I want to throw some stuff out here. Um, we have, uh, the second round of our galactic council poll for next month, uh, is out. You have two choices. Uh, we had a runoff, uh, and now here are your two, your, 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 two main party nominees you have uh hunter and matt's uh elite tournament strats where we talk about how we would win the tournament if we were to enter because obviously if we entered the tournament well i mean one of us would surely win for sure absolutely because we are the strategy masters (laughs) we are we're elite players (laughs) Your other option is um, a Hakan versus Mintak episode, kind of a theory crafty episode, kind of themed. We did uh, an episode, uh, Yin versus Soul, where we talked about both those factions in relation to each other. Um, I think that one would also be fun. The first one would be silly. The second one would be theory crafty cool. Yeah. Um, so the Hunter Dawson fan club have spoken and the what I will be doing this Friday is I will be playing a game on the Rough Draft of the semi final map for the tournament um, with our moderating team, it's going to be super fun uh, this Friday night, which is February twenty first. Yeah, um, starting at roughly six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, I'm sorry, I, I I'm sorry, I can never give you like the exact time. It's that I have to coordinate with other people, so I have to leave that stuff a little bit open. But we will be shooting for six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But hey, if you want updated information of that. Kind, um, check out our Discord. Uh, yeah. That is a good place for little updates like that. Yeah. Um, Matt, let's, uh, do you want to thank I our I want to thank producers? some people, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. thank
0: our producers, our Space Kitties, and our Weird Bears. I want to thank our Weird Bears, Ponchidori, Fargonis, and T.G. Welch. And I want to thank our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Umar, Fyroso, Julian, RY's, Necrofirewall, and Kraken, Man, that's a lot of people that, yeah. that freaks me out uh, how many Space Kitties we have. And I love each and every one of you so very, very, very space
1: much. Space Kitty update. Um, yeah. The artist is currently designing oh, the... Oh, cool. Uh, I didn't even know the this. Pen. Yeah, sorry. I, I had not awesome. uh, spoken up about this yet. Um I'm really excited because it is the exact same artist that designed our logo. So you can expect the pin is going to be in the same visual language of the image that you've been seeing on your podcast feed for hopefully a while now. So I'm really excited to show you guys the pin. Uh, I think you're really, really going to like it. Um, Twitch and YouTube uh, updates. Obviously... uh, Twitch this Friday, you've got Hunter Donaldson Fan Club to check out. Friday night. Um, the YouTube this week. I'm actually gonna be putting up one of Matt's games. What? Yeah. That's yeah, lame.
0: <laughs> um, but you, I played a, I played an extra test game. I, I've again, I've been trying to figure out extra forever. uh Spoiler alert! I don't figure it out <laughs> in this game. <laughs> but if you want to see my shop get wrecked, you you should watch the game that's going to be coming to the YouTube.
1: Ooh yeah, that'll be a fun playlist to add to our YouTube. Is games where we get crushed, where we don't. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that's gonna be a playlist. Um, that I'll just games keep where track Matt of.
0: punches in an inanimate object
1: Right, or even you know it's sometimes I play poorly I mean maybe like once a year but it does happen <laughs> you know once to every 10 years even probably
0: at the very least, that game gave me a better idea of what I want to try in my next extra game to maybe someday figure out this extra guide. That I don't it's know. Like, maybe we'll never do an extra guide. I think that's what's going to end well, up. Well, we have to do one. And nope. I don't. We don't have to do anything, Hunter.
1: Uh, we do have to do one, and the order that we've chosen, it's going to have to. We're going to figure Be this out soon, Matt. Like we don't have oh, forever. God. Um, I'm afraid. I'll I'll play one. I I bet I can knock it out in one. You know, extras you. more up uh, my, like, my type of faction. It's,
0: that's actually true. Yeah. Which is
1: why I've always, I've just thought it so weird that for so long you've been, like, extra, I have to figure them out. I'm like, why? They're not, they're just not your style.
0: It's my great mystery in life is to figure out these stupid turtles. Yeah, it's, um, it's
1: the same reason that ghosts, you know what I mean? It's like, the, it's the same type of thing, whereas ghosts leans into being too spread thinny, where it's right. like, they're already kind of a spread thin faction, so... Yeah. And then extra is just not designed to be played the way that you play Twilight Imperium.
0: Yeah. Well, if you believe I can solve extra, you know, if you can clap your hands and summon the little angels, what you need to do is actually rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes in five, and give us a five star rating We're and trans-ish. say, Matt, I believe I believe that you can figure out extra and here's a bunch of stars. Here's a, here's a few stars to help you along your way. I need them. It fuels <laughs> yeah, me. This week, please give us five
1: stars out. and label them all for Matt so that he figures out extra. <laughs> five stars for this show, not because it's high quality no but these are need five the juice
0: super need mario star world juice.
1: stars that i'm giving to the show so that matt can drink that star juice and figure <laughs> out his great mystery his, so he can solve his great riddle his turtle can die puzzle yeah
0: his turtle puzzle. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod, Facebook uh, at Space Cats, Facebook, yep. yeah, Facebook, Spar- and Space uh, uh, please turtle. join our face Discord. Back. You
1: got? I want my face back, <laughs> face back, face back, face back, and oh, yes. join us the
0: next time we go noodling.
1: Yeah, and uh, please check out our Discord. Uh, lots of good, fun conversations, funky conversations. Um that, those are the two types of conversations we That's have it. there. Fun, Fun and funky, and well, and honestly, funky.
0: you only got you only have two more weekends to get in on live updates as Patreon tournament games are happening, or at right. least for the prelims. Future ones, you'll get to just watch them live. But if you want to catch the conversations as they happen for the last two prelims, uh, these next two weekends will be the last few games. So, oh my god, I
1: am so excited about March! It's going to be like Twilight Imperium, like festival yeah. like it's just gonna yeah. feel like every weekend Th- throw
0: is- my personal life schedule out the window and fill it with nothing nothing but ti well, uh, and, madness
1: and speaking of which i mean like luckily we did not have to throw away our lives no, for the entire true. first I'm, four I'm months i'm fueled of the year. up i'm ready yeah. for it yeah, yeah like I'm, now I'm it juiced. is our time to take over and speaking of which i want to thank our moderating team yeah um, no kidding i want to thank vision s a million times a billion yeah. times actually I want to thank uh, (laughs) I Am Katie a million times. I want to thank uh, Mantis a thousand times. Um, (laughs) Oh, a little less? Yeah. I want to thank Aviator 10,000 times. Actually, I'll give him 100,000. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair.
1: Uh, T.G. Welch. Thanks, bud. And... uh, (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, i'll give milty a million i'll give yeah. milty a million uh,
1: actually yeah milty should have a million uh but those, those are the thank yous and uh jefferson in jefferson hasn't met mo- oh, jefferson's so been on a trip
0: but jefferson deserves a hundred thousand or so Hundred thousand. maybe five hundred thousand let's
1: do five hundred thousand for for jefferson <laughs> that's how many thank yous he gets Um but yeah basically these people have made this all possible yeah and now me and matt get to ruin our lives with yes. this tournament. It's I mean turn. start after March first. After March first. So still a little bit of time, but I'm excited to uh ready, you know? I'm gonna be Are you thirsty for it? Are you thirsty
0: for the for the juice?
1: We're gonna buy that song. <laughs> that's that's what we've been doing with the Patreon money. We're saving up to saving buy up for the... the football song, I believe it's called <laughs>